a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world, we'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. All right, Zero Limits listeners, on today's Zero Limits podcast, I am joined here in the studio by a former New South Wales Police Detective Sergeant, John Bredder. Now, quick little story. I was watching Kindergarten Cop last night. And his name's John Kimball. And that kept running through my head. It was Detective John. <laughs> and I almost trying to force myself not to say it this this morning. Like, right. this <laughs> Detective All the cops John. are John. John McClane. John McClane, yeah. That's a fucking classic movie. Christmas, it's almost Greatest Christmas, Christmas movie yeah. ever. Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> um, coming back to his story, John Breda. Now, yeah. he was involved in an incident in 2018 – it was uh, all over the news uh, on a stray day, 2018. He was investigating a child, fuck, I'll call him a child predator. Yep. And this guy was on the run. They've gone to, obviously, the, John and another cop have uh, gone to go see this bloke or find him or whatever, and we'll, which we'll talk about soon. And during this, in, uh, this encounter, John was stabbed multiple times and pretty much Every account from everything I've read and seen, even from himself, he should be he shouldn't be here. There is it's there's unspeakable reasons why he's still here, but obviously comes down to medical science as well. Yep. which is uh, we'll definitely talk about yep. these doctors that saved oh, your life. Yep, because mate, you showed me the you know he just showed me a bucket full of the blood <laughs> just before and like twelve liters <laughs> yep. of his blood, like transfused blood as well yep. that have just yep. wow, this is. Wild story, but we'll get onto this down the track because it's sure. obviously that defining point in your career. Not to mention, definitely want to touch on the whole uh, child protective stuff. Yep. Again, it's massive uh, in Australia. I know there was a movie that was on uh, Netflix, I think, or something. Yep. Sound yep. of Freedom. Yep. I watched it yep. the other Fuck. <sighs> Tell you what. You gotta watch someone it. fucks with my kids. I swear to God, I'm coming for you. I, I'll spend the next I 50 understand. years in prison. I don't care. I'm I get coming it. for you. And you, you understand being a father as well. 
and obviously, fuck, living the life, working that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, mate. Well, let's let's say we'll, we'll say yeah, that. That's let's, a whole. That's a whole. You could probably do a whole show on that itself. Yeah, that's that's why. I'm, yeah, mate. Before we get onto your police career, let's get yep. back to the younger days. Uh, growing up in Parramatta, mate. Um, mate, run us through it. Yeah, grew up um, near Parramatta. Born in Parramatta, Westy, as they call us. Um, in the eighties, as a teenager and a young bloke, uh, running around there with my mates, uh, who I'm still friends with today. A lot of my mates from school. Uh, we all lived in the same area. Um, yeah, mum and dad, two sisters and a brother, all older than me. Um, mum lived at home and dad was a crane driver, working cranes, building bridges. Um, so he worked away a bit. Um, hard, hard man. Um, born in Italy. My dad's Italian. Oh, that's where you get the, the flavor from. Yeah, yeah, the good yeah. skin. Yeah, the olive skin. Uh, and yeah. the name. Um, yeah, mum, mum was an Aussie. Dad came out here in '56 uh, on a ship. '56, yeah, right. Yeah. On a ship. 19, 19 years old. Nothing. Just came out here with a couple of mates. Just have a go. He said, "Let's go." What do you mean on a ship? Like as like, a, a, like a refugee? No, no, no. The, right. Like they wanted people to an come. An actual ship. An actual ship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Said because at that time it was a lot of immigration. They wanted people coming to Australia. They were rebuilding. Um, and they said, "Come to Australia." So he said, "Yeah, 19. What have I got to lose?" Um, yeah, hard guy. Used to grow up in the war. Um, few stories from, uh, he lived in, uh, Northern Italy in, uh, during World War II, which is, I find really bizarre that he was alive during the Nazis. Oh, shit. Yeah. Can tell you some stories. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few st- He doesn't, doesn't talk a lot about it, but, um, he was only like 10. Young, yeah. 10 at the time, but he remembers the Nazis coming down the main street of his little town. His dad was a cook. Nazis would come in and he'd have to cook for them. Like a troop, tanks, they'd come in and and because they were very aligned with the French at the time in the north, his older brothers were off in the Foreign Legion in the, with the French resistance. Um, and dad just remembers Nazis coming in and just they were just horrible, mean, hang people on the street in front of you, just lawless. And he said if any soldier used to get uh, any soldiers got sick, he'd, he'd be hanged 10 people. And so dad always remembers things like that. And he's got other stories, which you won't talk about, but just to, to, to live with under the Nazi regime, like that's hardcore. Like people worry about things today. You know, I think, you know, there's no school back then. And, you know, he just came out here, sort of taught himself, came out here, made a life, and got to learn how to drive cranes and made a life of that. And just a hard guy. Lived around, lived a fast life, I think he did, in his younger days. And that was always something that I, you know, wanted to live up to. The, you know, just the stories from you know, the Germans, just, you can't. That's I, don't, I don't think people can comprehend that. No. And, and any person that lived through that era, just hard, hard people, tough. Because they had no choice. They had nowhere to turn. You just had to keep going. And I just think that he was, you know, my hero. Everyone's got to have a hero and he was my hero. Uh, a spider could never be like him, but he's got some stories. Yeah, he was ten, so that's sort of my uh, inspiration for you know when I was a young bloke and just keep going. And I'm proud of what he's done, and he's still around. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's still around. Still he's kicking. They're both still kicking, but yeah, they're older now. Obviously, they're well into that. Does he have the accent? 
What are you doing? Oh, yeah, oh God. Never lost it. Never lost it. Yeah. Every time I used to bring a girlfriend home, they didn't never understand him. Yeah. My wife still can't understand him. Oh, I can. I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool to me, but it's like oh, no one can under still got that accent. But no, they're still good. They're still good. Yeah. I'm looking after them. That's good. And uh schooling. You yeah. go to school in Parramatta. Did yeah, you? went to Macquarie Boys High. Good school, tough school. Uh you had to learn know your wits about you. Yeah, in the started there in eighty five. Um, good school, rugby school, played rugby there. Yeah, just went through schooling. I, I wasn't, didn't apply myself like always, like typical. Um, just wanted to play sport. I was going to leave in year 10, but sport master, Mr. Clark there said, no, no, you got to keep going. I've got to play footy. In, the, you know. in 88, we won the rugby union uh, grand final. Only grand final I've ever won uh, <laughs> in all the years of sport. Uh, lost plenty, but in that year we won. And then we came back the next year, and I think we lost a grand final. And I just wasn't ready to leave school. I love school. It was good with all my mates. We were just mucking around. I just did my HSC, but it wasn't the best. But you know, I was never going to go to uni. I wanted was going to do a trade. Um, but during that time, I had I was wanting to, that's when I started to think about police. And in the in the eighties, there was some big stories, and yeah, eighties was a strange time for policing, and it had a lot of. Bad stigma of bad, you know, cops doing the wrong thing and, and things like that. But there were some good cops. Don't worry about that. There was plenty of good cops, but there were also bad cops uh, that were doing the wrong thing. But uh, I remember some significant stories when I was in high school. Um, Janine Balding, uh, murder. And um, that was in 88, I think. Yep, 1988. Yep. And I remember the, the guys that, were involved in that were the same age as me. The same, they are the same age as me. Southern train station. Yeah, yep. and I remember, I remember when that job happened, and I was like, and then when they got locked up, and I was just thinking, these guys, is, what makes you go and do that? Couldn't believe, you know, we're out playing footy and running around and sport with mates, and, and these guys are running around in stolen cars, wanting to kill people. And I just remember thinking, fuck, I just want to be a cop. Things like that. It's just. Made me think, and these guys, the cops that did that job, did a great job, outstanding job, to, to to track them down and find them and, and prosecute. And these cops don't get enough praise of you know there were good cops back then and hardworking cops. Um, and I just remember seeing that going. I just want to be a cop. I want to investigate crime and, and help people. I want to help people. Um, so that sort of inspired me why I wanted to be a police. So, but my, my my grandfather was a cop. Um, and he always said uh, before he passed, when I was, when I was a yield bloke, he said- Your always, Aussie grandfather? Uh, yeah, 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 my Aussie yeah. grandfather. Yeah, because yeah, he was out here on his own, but my Aussie grandfather, he joined the cops in 1923. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Different policing oh, back then. Wow. Right? Yeah. Oh, fucking still riding horses. Wow. And then he left, he retired in 1967. Shit. Yeah. It's a decent stint. Yeah, so he was just different. And I've got some news clippings from him about um, when he was, he worked in the- uh, Randwick area, just different things that he did, you know, following around the, uh, locking up the Razor gangs back then in the, in the 30s. But he always said to me, make sure you get something on your back because he always remembers cops you know, falling over for whatever reason, injuries, and they had nothing to fall back on. And he'd say, learn something, learn a trade, learn a craft. I always remember that as a little kid. And it, it's funny, when you're a little kid, you get really influenced by <clears throat> what people say and what people do. And I remember, and I was like, "No, I'll, I'll get a trade. 
try. So I was just going to do a trade. Um, and I was playing footy as well. And I was trying to make, trying to make myself a footy player as well. But, but so. uh, in, in, sorry, to cut in there in yeah. regards to football, obviously yeah. growing up Parramatta. Oh, mate, feels me. Oh, out. Get out. Mate, Brett Get Kenny, out. the legends, Brett Kenny, Peter yeah. Sterling. You know, yeah. I, grew, I grew up watching these guys. You know, they just. Yeah. yeah. Peter, Peter Sterling, Peter born in Queensland. You talking about that one? Technicality. Yeah, that, that bloke, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's Eric Grove, Steve Ella. Yeah. Oh fuck, Grove Senior, mate. Oh, what a gun footballer. Mate, hardest, you know, hardest nails. Too, hardest yeah. nails. Yeah, you know, these are good footy footy players. Just hardcore footy players. Yeah, you know? just Boy, they had full time jobs. Yeah, yeah, legends. Smoking. Legend. I remember I met Mick Cronin once when I was a little kid. And I just thought that was the, the best. You don't forget these things. Yeah, you know, down in Jerringong because he used to live in Jerringong. Met me crying a lot. When you're a little kid, and when, especially sports people, that realize how much an influence little kids, you don't forget. You don't forget what they did and what they said. It's just, I just remember seeing these guys, just legends. But yeah, I, Hills, man. Yeah, born and brown. I went to the 86 grand final. Yeah, that was yeah, the last one. Yeah, yeah, that was the last yeah, one. Yeah, was last one. Me, me and my <laughs> schoolmate, we caught, caught the train in, um, ran to the hill at like 7 30 in the morning, sat on the hill all day, and got home at like nine o'clock. And you know, no one even, Mum didn't even flinch when I walked in the door. You know? No phones, nothing. You just just got home. I think we caught, we caught the wrong train. I went, I don't know where I went. You just worked it out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah the eels, man, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the demographic of uh, Parramatta back in those days were just Italians and bloody Greek pretty much, isn't it? Oh, nah, it, was, it was a mix. It was a mix where I was. Not to the extent to what it is now. Oh, now it's, it's multi everything. Yeah, multinational, everything. Yeah. yeah. But back in the 80s, it was pretty Anglo. I remember getting caught a, a wog a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I think I clocked him on the chin, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, you finished school. Didn't you finish school what year? 90? Uh, uh, 90. 90. 90. 90. 90. You had the thoughts of becoming a cop, yeah. Wanted but to obviously, you had that uh, that nah. influence of saying, you know, find something to yeah. fall back on. And, first. I, and I was playing footy, like I was playing A grade footy at the time, and uh, with my good mate Phil, who I'd played football with my whole sort of career, and we sort of were a good combo. We having because you know, we played junior footy on the weekend and in school, we sort of knew where I knew where he was. He was a halfback, and I was a centre, and I just knew where he was going to be. And he just made me look good, and I'd score tries and. You know, and when you got that combo with someone, and that's why I think Queensland was so good. Everyone knows how each other's play. And like me and Phil, we just you know, we playing A grade and I was like trying to make it, but I just probably a bit lazy in my playing. And never, never never had anyone to drive me, but I had a good coach, Dennis Anderson. He was one of the coaches there, good fella. And he taught me a lot and like yeah, it's it's like I said, when you're young, you listen to what coaches say to you because they're like a figurehead. And he always said, you know, keep your head up high. I mean, we lost the grand final one year. And he said, don't worry, boys, just head up. Don't, don't, don't let it show. Shake their hand. Be proud. And I always remember things like that. No matter what happens, you lose, don't worry about it. You know, playing football, it's about, it's about the, you know, win or lose, it doesn't matter. It's, if you win it at the end of the day, it's, that's a, that's a, a prize. But it's, you know, the whole year of football with your mates and, Running around, having a good time—that's what it was about. Having fun on the field, and that's what we did. And I, and I never eventuated. I got too many injuries and busted shoulder and chasing girls. Yeah, maybe 
that too. <laughs> and then never really got around to it. And then I just sort of focused on my trade. And then I was doing my trade. I became a, um, worked for an engineering company as a Sparky. That was, that was hard because I missed a year. I missed, a, I missed a year and because um, I couldn't get a job. Couldn't find a job. I did. Just floated around. No, no, I couldn't. I, look, I was looking everywhere. You could not. There was no jobs because that was when the part of the um, uh, the recession we had to have. That's right. Ninety one. Yeah, recession, the recession we had to have. Um, as it, mm. they they said it, and I just couldn't get a job. Oh, I was applying jobs everywhere, and I got I got a break, and this engineering company hired me, and I started there in ninety uh, two. Uh, so ninety one was just so like just trying to find a job, basically all year. Then I got this job and worked hard and got me trade. Worked with some hard blokes who you had to learn fast. Uh, even this engineering company, I was just a young guy, nineteen, <clears throat> and these guys were like fully grown men. You know, you never, never really worked with men that were forty, fifty. Half of them looked like they were crooks, been in jail, <laughs> you know. And they tried tell you what to do, and you had to team up with the other apprentices to make sure that they didn't. Because back in those days, they used to pick on apprentices and yeah. do do tricks on them and and I remember, you know, thinking, oh, what are you going to do with these new new mob people? I was like, oh. and I had another bloke with me. He was a footy player as well, and another guy. I'm like, mate, if they get us, we're all in. We, we stay as a team, yeah. And so we had little mate, you know, apprentice meetings, and <laughs> yeah, and said, we're not going to let this happen. And I remember, and we'd all stand up to him. It was like you had to kill or be killed. Yeah, had yeah to there was talk. no HR department. No, there was no, there's no nowhere to complain. And the boss we had there, John, John Woolley, man, he, he was, was the HR department. He was a HR department. He was a hard guy, man. I remember him coming out screaming at people, and you'd, you'd fear him. He's like, he was like a drill sergeant. I was like, who's this bloke? Why don't you see the, you know, and he'd be like, fucking brother, five minutes late. And you're like, fuck, I won't be late again. You know, just things like that. But and that's what people need. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. You did that today. You, oh, mate. Mate, HR, you, you, you yelled at him. Yeah. But I didn't mind it. Because I never did it again. No, exactly right. And he was, he, I liked him because he was into footy as well. And he, he sort of, I saw a sort of a, a connection there. Because sometimes I, I couldn't, I didn't come in on a Monday because I was just battered um, from football. And he, he sort of let it, let it slide, you know. <laughs> so uh, that was my way in. But no, it was, I had a good time there and learned a lot and about life and, um, uh, Dealing with people, communicating, and and having to deal with people um, before I joined the cops because being in the police is that's that's that next level where it's all about communication, talking to people, and how to how to interact with people. And that's I learned a lot, you know, playing football and being in a trade, having to talk to people because that's that's what it's all about. Um, so during this time, you know. That thought of the cops is that still playing through your yeah, mind? Yeah, still, still, just, still, yep. in my mind. And different things would, would come on TV, and I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, now I'm joining the cops." Yep. Yeah. Do you have any encounters with the cops? Did you muck up as a kid, or <sighs> yeah, actually, um, speeding? <laughs> um, muck up day. Oh, at school. Yeah. Oh, what did you do? Muck up days were like really bad. A few years before mine, and I remember the guys organised a um, few pull up. And those DMR signs and, and started filtering behind our school into the bus bay. And I remember the cops turned up and I got caught. <laughs> and the cops were like, I can move these things off the road. Oh, they were pretty good. They, were, they, they had a little laugh, I think, on the inside. But we were, I was, we were so scared. I know. I was, yeah. I was scared, man. I thought they were going to touch us up. 
just what they did back oh, in those I, days. I know. It was like, it was just coming out of the 80s. Like, oh, we need to touch up. I mean, a couple of old blokes. And we had to pick up all these bollards and we were putting them on the side of the road. And, he's, and then they're like, now, fuck off. <laughs> and like, right, <laughs> we took off. Yeah. That was running the only real time I'd, I'd dealt with it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, running that's, the cops. Now, I'd never get in trouble. Yeah. I was too scared of my dad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he he, he whipped me. So I was like, never got in trouble. Like, I knew likes that were in trouble. And I used to play footy with some interesting characters, like like, a few bikies um, that I used to play football with and against. And when I played A grade, there were pub teams that were just, they were bikey teams. Um, They were good guys, though. I knew them from school and never had an issue. Some of them were like really good footballers. Like, if they actually applied themselves, and weren't criminals, and weren't, and didn't it didn't steer that way. Yeah. They could have been first yeah. graders, but yeah. there was some red hot football. I remember thinking, these guys are fucking red hot, but just didn't want to, you know, commit to that next level. But were good, good footballers, some really good footy players. Yeah. So during this time, nineteen ninety two, the murder of uh, Ebony Simpson. Yeah, Ebony, so Ebony Simpson. This, this yeah, again this spikes your interest again. I remember that when that happened. It was just like you know, this poor little this little girl um, was murdered and thrown into a pond. Nine years old. Yeah, yeah, mate. That, I remember that just – I was working at the time and everyone was talking about it at work and in the newspapers and I was like – that. I think it was like, bang, I'm joining the cops. Oh, was it Was it that, that moment? That's when I said, no, yeah. I'm joining the cops. That's it. As soon as I finish this, I'm joining the cops. I finished my trade and I'm joining the cops because after that, it was like, you know, fancy and a kid and throwing him in the mm. – mate, I was – mate, that, I remember that just vividly going, mate, and that investigation took a little bit. And again, you know, cops did an outstanding job. Outstanding. You, know, you can't praise these police enough, you know, back then. You know, and they, and <clears throat> a lot of it was, you know, they didn't have the community, you know, the technology, technology we have today. Yeah. It'd be a lot uh, easier to get away with something back oh, then than what it is. It now. is. And, that, yeah. Yeah, and that's just good hard work policing. Mm. Yeah. You know? Good policing. Work the job. And ended up finding this guy and, and I think he's got life. But yeah, so then I was just like, finish my trade. <clears throat> played some footy, and then it's like, as soon as I'm a trade's finished, I'm joining the cops. Mm. Yeah, right. And uh, I guess for you, uh, obviously moving to the detective <clears throat> side of things, was this yep. another reason? You're like, oh, yeah, because I, I wanted to be a D. Cause I wanted to investigate crime, uh, you know, serious crime. I, well, I wasn't when I when I did join. I wasn't sure because you just you know, you're GDs and you know, getting your traps, you know, feeling what what's out there. But I was leading towards Investigative work, which I really like. Um, but yeah, so we playing Cluedo or anything as well at that time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> was that wasn't me? <laughs> that wasn't me. <clears throat> yeah, that was a good game actually. Cluedo. <laughs> well, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Remember that? Carmen San Diego. Remember that? Remember that guy? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that was fucking. That's when I wanted to be a detective. <laughs> Mate, um, so you finished your trade in 1996. Yep. Yep. As you said, you know, around that 92 period, you're like, no, nah, yep. fuck. Join finishing the trade, I'm joining the cops. So, so I finished my trade um, and then I started to apply and I put in my paperwork and had to a couple of interviews. So I got it, I got accepted, but I had to go to do some interviews and I had, a, had the medical. And I got delayed because my medical, I had a heart murmur. Heart murmurs in your vowel doesn't, in your heart doesn't close properly. I remember they delayed me. I was like, delayed me by six months because I missed, oh, I missed the yeah. class and then I had to go and get all these tests done. And then I, I had the shits too. And I was like, fuck. And then I looked at the fires quickly. 
what's going to be a fireman? He said, oh, I'll be a fireman. They fucking don't want me. I'll go and do a fireman. Um, just in case they didn't take me. I said, oh, so I started looking at being a fireman. I was like, yeah, what do you want? And then it was, it was like a two-year wait. So I just stuck at the cops. But if I had had there been a intake or getting the virus, I would have probably gone. So I sorted out my heart murmur and got all these tests done and reapplied again and then we went through and then um, went down in May 97. Yeah, right, May 97. So how, how's your how's your family feeling? Yeah, good. Yeah, no, good. Everyone's good. loving it. Yeah, they were all proud. Yeah, went down there and lived down there for six months. Yeah, so let's 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 break this down. Obviously, yeah. <clears throat> just recently, the everyone's decided, or the premier now has decided that they're going to start paying cops again at the academy. And obviously, back then, this is when you were getting paid. Yeah, we well, you you were an officially a police officer the day you, you you walked in, but you were training, and we got paid. And and for a lot of people, you got a lot of people who were <clears throat> like myself, tradespeople. Uh, people with experience, male and female, with there weren't too many young. We had a few young guys, but there weren't whole class. And it was good that you got paid because it just got you through. I mean, I didn't have a mortgage or a family or a girlfriend, so I was money just. But for those guys who had some guys had families, the money helped. And I don't know why they took it away. You want good, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> you want you want good police, male and female. You got to get experienced people know how to talk to people, not just young kids all the time. You want people to come to this. I'm like, oh, I still love this organisation, New South Wales Police, and I want good people to join, and I encourage anyone to join because it's a great organisation. It has its flaws, like any any organisation, but it's a great place to learn and and be a part of. But you got to get good people, in. and good people are people with life experience, and that's what you want. People were for trades, and the best, I always say the best, the best cops were tradespeople because they knew how to talk to people. No matter who it was, male or female, if you can talk to someone, you get yourself out of anything. No, it's fucking fair. It's and that's and, communication. <clears throat> like it's- and having just heard this news yesterday, just tick the box there mm. because it should have been done way done earlier. Shouldn't have stopped. Should never have stopped. Yeah. I don't know why it stopped. Yeah, brass do some politics, weird things politics, sometimes. Yeah, politics, mate. politics, politicians, brown paper bags, <laughs> mates. Um, so you're going through the academy, mate. Mate, run us through this. How you know? Again, we're going back to <clears throat> mid '90s. Political correctness. Oh, yeah. doesn't um, really exist. It's a bit nah. more paramilitary yeah. style. Well, they've just been through a um, royal commission. Yep, for the corruption. Yeah, and a lot of cops have left. <clears throat> so there was all this new, you know. New breed. They want a new breed of cops and telling us, yeah, you got to do things right. But it was, yeah, it was still a, you know, marching every morning and parade, and and that's good. I I like that. I I love that because I was I'd loved, you know, I I was going to join the military too at one stage. But policing was sort of, if I couldn't have got a trade, I was probably going to do military. I learned a trade through there, but it was, you know, it was was a fine line what I was going to do. So I thought I didn't mind the marching and. And they're being yelled at. It was good. I liked it. It was good, and it still in, put discipline in you, uh, which was great. I, I never had a problem with someone yelling at me. You know, if I did the wrong thing, yell, man, it's all good. I'll survive. You're only yelling at me. Yeah, exactly. Play the game, mate. Compared to you know, and like I said, if you if you can't be yelled at, how are you going to cope with some 
Lunacy yeah. lunacy gone the street, you know, are you gonna hide in a corner and complain? That's it. You got you gotta sort it out. So that's I did yeah, I did, I, I had a great bunch of guys in my team, male and female. How big was your class? Oh, two hundred odd. Yeah. Two hundred. I was in Bravo group. Had a great great uh class. A good bunch of guys. Remember the first day there, walking in. You don't know any no one knows anybody. And the bar used to be open then and the bar was rocking. Wow, that was just like, what's going on here? This is just like a whole new world to me. And like the bar was open every night. People go out there drinking. It was just a bizarre place. Just learning different things, meeting new people. And you got to learn, got, make some mates in your class. And you know, I made some few mates I still speak to today um, from my class. But yeah, and a few, few aren't, who aren't around anymore. It's just, that's, that's, yeah, life happens. Um, yeah, so went through, and in those days you did a placement. That's right. Yep, you did a placement. I Where'd remember. You go? Oh yeah, well I went to Rose Hill, Granville. Granville was just. I remember you got you got a uniform. You go out with the, in the truck night shift, and and I just remember one of the times we had night shift and going to this job, and one of the guys goes, "You go around the back. We're going to get this bloke inside this unit. This 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 little." Housing Commission joint. He goes, you go around the back and me and we're going to go through the front door. And if he comes out the back, he's a batten, hit him with the batten. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, you go around the back. And I was just standing there by myself. He goes, hit him like a baseball if he comes out. <laughs> hit him like a baseball. <laughs> and I'm like, man, God, if this bloke comes out, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to baby this motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to hit this bloke straight across the head. And I remember there going, oh, God, please don't come out. <laughs> yeah. Please don't come out. And it was dark. And I'm like, this guy, I hope. Hopefully he doesn't come out. I could hear a ruckus inside, and then the guy didn't come out. I was like, "Jeez, this guy would have <laughs> lost a leg or something." Because those bat- you get hit by one of those batons, man. That's big old night shift. Oh, the old, the old, yeah. old school knurled handle. Yeah. I used to know backwards what it was, but if you got hit by one of them, you didn't get up. You didn't get up, especially if you got hit in the leg. Shin bone, yeah. But that, yeah, just and you ran around for four weeks. Four, I think it was four weeks. You got to, and I remember we went. They took us to the morgue. I don't think they do it anymore. No, they don't. People, uh, yeah, Different pulled the pin. Kids these days. People pulled the pin. And I remember going to the morgue. And they go, oh, we're going to the morgue today. I don't mean, because oh, someone had told me about one of my mates going, oh, we're going to the morgue. Fuck. Wow. And we went to the morgue and there's a viewing room. And I just remember the smell. That was an experience. I mean, just, just watch a <clears throat> just, just watching a quick post mortem. The only, yeah. you went just quickly. And I just remember going, fuck. And that was like a test. It was like a test. Yeah, I, yeah, I know a lot yeah, of people, a yeah. few people left or didn't want to do it. Well, that's, yeah. I was like, you've got to do it because. That's what you've got to expect. You've got to, you've got to expect that. Especially as a GD because. Yeah. Well, in, especially as a detective. So I remember. Oh, yeah, of course. I remember yeah, doing yeah, it yeah, when definitely. I was yeah. in the D's having to go to a post-mortem. And I just remember, I remember getting home that day and I was like, I don't know. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I wasn't, a, I, I just remember thinking, fuck, I need to go and do some exercise just to get that out of my th- no thoughts. But next day I was right. You know, I saw that shock and awe. I've seen a dead body getting cut up and, yeah, that was uh, That's what, something I different. Had, I had another cop on <clears throat> and country town. However, the what, are the, what do they call the people that do the morgues? Uh, mortician. The, uh, the, po- uh, the, uh, the coroner? Uh, coroner? Coroner's assistant. Uh, mortician. Yeah. Mortician. Co- I think it was the assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He or she called in sick. Yeah. He had to put some gloves on and help yeah, yeah, weigh the fucking body parts. Yeah, yeah. 
heard those stories. It's like, wow. Yeah, country. Yeah, actually, yeah. I know a guy. Same, same thing. Yeah, I know the same thing. He'd go in there and have to put it on the scale. Welcome to the police. And I remember him telling me, "I'm like, oh, are you serious." Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, I was like the the, the assistant. You know, stick the badge on away again. He's like, I remember thinking, "I'm like, wow. he, he, he was all right though." Yeah, but that, but yeah, that I remember that day was like the first time I was like, never seen a dead body before in my life, and all of a sudden you're seeing this very. Conf- I don't, they don't do it anymore. No, do you do you think they should? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, they I should. Think, yeah, maybe as a pro mm. in your probationary, maybe not when you're just still learning. Maybe when you're a probationary constable, go and do it, and then that's a test. Because yeah. you can always, when you're a pro, that's your, your training period. Yeah. Because well. yeah. when you're a pro, that's your training as well. That's part of training. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I think maybe it should be done as a pro. Yeah. 100%. I think in the academy. Do you think you can kick them out? Yeah, get true. Rid of them. True. Get you can get, get rid of them. them. Save it saves you. It saves you from having to let because people have just left. Get them to a station then. True. Leave yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then. Um, bring it back. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag bring it back. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, it was good. And then, um, can't remember else. But yeah, just went around in the night shift and doing different things. And how long was this post? Like this four weeks. So four, four weeks, weeks. At, at Granville. Yeah, Granville did different things. Your GDs did a bit of D's, did a bit of highway, bit a bit of a mix. Just, and you're pretty much a cop. You were cop. Yeah, like yeah, not yeah. like they were because they did no. it a. You were know, a cop. 10 you, years were, you, you were you was you was you were, you were a cop. I remember doing statements. Yeah, I remember having to do a statement, seeing things, and I remember getting in a scuffle with. And you had a full uniform and everything. Yeah, full uniform. Because they had moved the, into it. They had, you, you, had the, you, had the, you had the blue epaulets and you'd run around and you know, you'd be chasing people and yeah, how good is this? <laughs> the, with a good, baton. How good is this? <clears throat> Just a baton, that's all you had. Just to hit a home run. Like you got good with it. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh from there, mate, you graduate from the academy. Yep. You get posted, mate, to Campsy. Campsy, yeah. It right. wasn't my first station. I picked Leichhardt and somewhere else, Burwood. But Campsy was, they were looking for cops and no one ever wanted to go to Campsy. So me and a few other guys went there and uh, I loved the joint. What a, a, the best cops at that time, just legends, all of them, just legends. Honest, hardworking cops. And I learned so much there. Just every day was just excitement. You know, especially when you're young, you're learning, you learn fast, you learn fast there and just really good cops. Couldn't praise them enough and made some good friends there and still talk to them today and, yeah, actually a lot of them, a lot of those guys that worked there. Just And my, my boss there, my first boss was Morris West, good guy, hard but fair, but uh, he passed away just recently, but a good guy. Yeah, mate, a question I generally ask most of my cops, uh, cop guests that I've uh, had on, mate, first arrest and I guess yeah. the first time you've seen, you know, obviously you've seen the dead bodies in the, yeah. in the morgue, but yeah, yeah. The first, job. First, uh, first arrest was DV. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah right. Domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll talk more about domestic yeah, violence yeah, yeah, later, course, but yeah, it was a domestic violence matter because um, <clears throat> it was good training. How long in any are you talking at the oh, station? Uh, Probably the first week, two weeks, two, first two weeks. Because yeah. in the first couple of weeks, you're still you're still learning. But then when I you had you had a buddy, and then you're on. And then I, I was working with a good 
good cop at the time, I think, Keith. And uh, we just did a domestic, and it was good just go through those things, all the processes. Just, it was, yeah, it was a domestic. But we'll go into that later, more about domestics later. Um, and then my first deceased was with Blinky, and we had a, uh, a stinker. Always. And I remember getting to the unit, seeing the flies in the window. Oh, shit. And, and so it's been there all Yeah, Blinky said, oh, we've got a good one. That's the one. Because I hadn't seen him for a while. This old, old Oh, not an old guy, but just, you know, some people just don't have anyone. And there's a lot of that around. And, and the neighbours said they hadn't seen him. And I remember thinking, oh, shit. So we had to, we had to bust the door down. And then the smell. And I think, you know, I think of, you know, every cop says it. The smell is just something different. You can smell it now. Oh, I can smell it now, yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember my clothing. I think I threw my shirt out. I think I threw my shirt out. Um, just a smell. And he'd been there. He was black. Oh, shit. Yeah, Fuck flies. That's... It was been there a while. And I just, and he was in the bathroom and, was, and we couldn't get him out of there. I was like, how are we going to get him? And I remember thinking, and we, he all went through his, he was, he was a sick guy and he was a big guy, a big guy. And, um, and I remember it like it was fucking yesterday. I remember, I know the street in Lakemba, the unit up, and it was up the top. And I just remember seeing the flies in the window. That was the biggest giveaway. What do you mean you had to move him? Well, we had to get him out of the bathroom. Why? Because he was, when, at the end of the day when we, we finished up, how do we get him out? And then we got to get him out. Oh, no, isn't there other people that do yeah, that? Yeah, but they couldn't They couldn't do it on their own. There was some little guy that-, that, that you had to help him. We had to help. That's <clears throat> oh, man. So I had to put these gloves on. And there was just these two guys um, that come in the little trucks. Trucks. Yeah. yeah come in. It was just two of them. And this guy was a big guy. And we had to put the tarp under him, and I remember putting gloves on, and it was just stuff everywhere on the floor. And Did you have a mask on, right? Nah, nah. Biohazards going on everywhere. Just, just yeah. And yeah. I remember them trying to put the, the blue bag underneath him, and they they would, and you'd be like pulling the bag underneath, and the smell, and not, not even a mask, no mask, no no vaso or anything. I think like, next time bring some vaso because a couple of guys used to put vaso on it. Live and learn, and then we and then they half got him on the. You know, it's Paul's soul, you know. This is, is you, know, you go back. How how does this happen? How, how do we let these people sit there for a few days without knowing? So I always got to check on your neighbours and your people, you know, people in your unit. And, and I remember having to drag him, and there was stuff going all over the floor. It's just what what's going on? This is, this is I didn't see this in the pamphlet. You know, when I joined, <laughs> and it just pulled him across the carpet. And it was just until we could get a spot to put, put him in the bag. And then we had to help him carry him down the stairs because he was heavy and we going to the morgue, putting him on the, on the train, going in the morgue and just booking him in and typing it up. And yeah, I don't forget that one. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but it was just extreme. It was just, yeah, and hands on. And hands on. I remember yeah. being hands on, had to be hands on. I was like, and Blinky's like, come on, get in there, John. And he was an old school copper, you know. Oh yeah, he'd been around a while. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, that was yeah, pretty pretty sad when. Sort of was sad that you know, this guy had been lying there. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. I had, we had one a couple of years ago when I was living in an apartment next door. Yeah, old lady yeah. just moved in. Yeah. Fuck. She was dead for three days. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, I smelled it. Yeah. This, and the knocks, it's a unique because because people, people go oh there's a smell yeah. coming in like oh yeah and as soon as you see the flies because it was summer you straight away well I didn't know but he goes as soon as you see flies there's a smell boom 
because I remember it was early on in my career. I was like, and I actually, I, I actually appreciated seeing the morgue stuff. So I sort of knew, like you said before, maybe I should do it because then I was sort of like, oh yeah, now I'm seeing a dead body and having that hands on. Yeah, it's just just quickly on that story when I met this old lady. <clears throat> I remember the GD that come to the door. You know, obviously, this is a, a standard operating mm. procedure mm. for cops. They ask you permission to come inside. He goes, can I come inside? I'm like, no, you can stay there, mate. That's, yeah, it's just, yeah, just one of those yeah, things. They do. They, you, you don't want to be, you know. Well, it's yeah. thing closed lands act as well. It's my proper property, that's so right. they've yeah. got to ask permission yeah, you to got, come You do. Oh, so but in. they come in. That's in, but I'm sure yeah. there's been times where they've gone inside people's houses and gone, fuck, what the fuck's that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. That's well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll go into that. I'll go into yeah. that later because that's yeah. that's actually a lot of people don't know what to do. Yeah, but I'll go into that later. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I refuse. I said, like, no, "You're not coming, mate," <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to come in. No, true. But yeah, so that was um, yeah, mate, I was enjoying being yeah, just Parish and Castle, loving it. It was it was great. Yeah, it's great. How long were you at that station for? Oh, I lived there in oh five, but oh, did you? Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh four. Oh four, so good, good yeah. stint. Of yeah, that no, stage. I loved it. I was, and a lot, lots happened in oh, that time. I mean, there were so many jobs. Like I think, I was trying to think. So we had uh, probably the probably one of the first things. Good arrests was with uh, Ibs, big unit, mate. Big, big uh, Middle Eastern guy, Lebanese guy. We'd been there a while, and uh, I worked with him. He was my buddy, and uh, I remember there was a sort of a kidnapping. Kid, uh, Campsie, our LAC, like where our commands as they were called back then, it was a mix. Yeah, Campsie, Belmore, Wally Park, Punch Bowls, different different um, ethnicities in the area. And Campsie was very Asian. And this guy had been kidnapped. Um, they came across the radio, bloke had been kidnapped, been forced to an ATM in Campsie. Uh, keep a lookout for this car number, ABC123. So, you know, it's going across the radio that this guy's kidnapped and come across the radio, so everyone's look, out looking about. And Ives and I come back from Burwood and we're headed towards Kempsey and we, we, we're just travelling down the back street and Ives wanted lunch. He goes, oh, we're going to get some lunch. So we're coming down one of the one of the streets. There's a car in front of us. I'm like, get out of the way. He's just parked there. I'm honking him. Move. Oh, no. Be, 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 move. <sighs> move out of the way. Anyway. What are the chances? <laughs> across the radio, a, ABC one, two, three. I'll get fucked. I said, Ibs, <laughs> that's a car. He's like, oh, fuck. You want a Mark Cop car? Yeah, we're in a, we're in a paddy wagon. Yeah. The Rodeo. Big, I'm honking at him. Get out of the way, you idiot. He's in the middle of the road. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's a car. That's a red job. So I'm like, fucking on the radio. Kempsey 1-5. Got that vehicle in uh, Fifth Avenue. I think it was Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue, Kempsey. Uh, four heads on board. Hobbs and I, he's like, right, let's go. So we get out of the car. So we've notified, so everyone's coming. So we get out of the car and just open the back door, just grab these blokes, throw them to the ground. And Ives is like a man mountain. He's picked two up. <laughs> he's thrown them to the ground. And then at the time, we we, we didn't know who the uh, the victim was. So they're all all, on the all Asians too. Yeah, all, all, all four <laughs> yeah. of them were Asians. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, so I didn't know. We didn't know which one. And then I thought we had an idea. So, and then at the same time as we, you know, all these guys were on the ground, you know, a couple of other blokes turned up. We put handcuffs on them, and like, I think I think that's a victim. So 
yeah, that's him. Sorry, put the, take off the handcuffs. That was just one job where, you know, you just just bang straight in front of you. Your blood's, your heart's pounding. Like, yeah, people don't realise, you know, your heart's pounding at the same time. You know, I might have just been in a job a couple of months and then boom, you've got to make these decisions on the run. People don't realise how quickly you've just got to, Car's right there. Anything could happen. It could have taken off. I don't know what. I think the car would have broken down or something. I don't know. But they were just stationary in the street. But it's just those quick thinking. You gotta be quick. Yeah. You gotta think quick. That's it. Just and, uh, don't think, just do. Just do it. And we just got out and did it and got them all down. And yeah, they did I mean, we didn't even go to trial, they got locked up and the D's came across and saw the job out. Yeah, statements and never heard of it again. And they did a few years, five, six years, whatever it was. Was just on to the next job, and then you know in Kempsey that time there was some. What's that? What's that? What's that uh, cover? Oh, yeah, punch bowl, borders banks down. So we had you know Middle East, Middle Eastern people down punch bowl in Wally Park, Belmore, Kempsey, uh, Kingsgrove, Belfield. There's a massive area, massive area. But at that time there was a lot of Middle Eastern crime happening between different groups. Um, which there was a lot of shootings at the time, a lot of kneecappings, um, different shootings at house. I mean, it, it was getting wild. The houses were being shot up, you know, people getting shot. Every night there was some sort of shooting. And we also had a lot of robberies. We had so many robberies. There was robberies every day, service stations getting robbed at night. Just you, know, you had service station tenants with hockey sticks hitting people and just – just wild times. Uh, a lot of the hotels would get robbed. This was all when cash was still mm. massive. Yeah, yeah. So we had, so, you know, we had a robbery unit, metro robbery unit. There were so many different crimes that were happening in and around. It was every day was something different. And guaranteed, never have a quiet shift. The D's, and the D's back then were, when I was in, you know, Constable D's were so good, you know, good, good, good detectives, really good detectives. And I just, Different jobs, you know, so many different jobs that I could talk about. It could be a whole topic. Yeah. You could get, oh, you could get yeah. other campsy guys in here tell you so many different stories. It was all it was so and many, every day, every day, just different stories. Every day, different, new, new story. And I remember just as I was coming out of my pro, Lakemba Police Station got shot up. That was my team, but I, I was down in Goulburn to finish my pro. And I remember I came back to work from the week off the next day, and they were my team members, and it was like, yeah, they've been sh- – luckily no one had got killed, but the Canberra police station was shot up because it started – you know, policing was starting to clamp down on different groups, so they started to shoot shoot the police station. Um, But it was dangerous time. It was dangerous. And after that time, Canberra only used to have one person in there. It was like an out station. It was just on its own, so no one was really there just to take reports. And then after that, it was two people hadn't been to the police station at all times. Um, after it reopened after the shooting. Um, That's right, because yeah. those two officers that were in there, they were on uh, station duty because yeah. they were injured or something. No, no, they were just were there they? Doing, just doing a shift. Were they allowed yeah. to have guns? Was, yeah, no, no. Is no, this no. another story? I'm, no, no, I'm thinking no. of another story. You might be thinking something of another story. Something similar. Because there was a truck, a GD's crew was inside at the time, yeah. just yeah. checking up because you go and you have lunch or check in on your on your mates. Mm. But they were there at the time. <laughs> and the, and luckily, no, you know, no one got shot. Miracle, no one got shot. Um, and that was, yeah, that were my team members. I just remember it happening, and I just remember, fuck, you know, 
I've been there. It was many. a drive by, was it? It was just a drive by, just yeah. drive by and a few rounds through the window and in the front counter. It just lucky it was because it sort of was sunken down the station, so it sort of just went across the top. Um, and people were standing in there. This is a wild place. It was a wild place. Just shootings and just different. I'm surprised no police officer ever got shot. Miracle. It was a miracle. I remember going to different. And then, you know, after you're pro, you're then a constable. So you're then working, you know, you just either someone junior and you had to, like I said, different, different jobs. And I remember one job, and this is when you had to really, I remember going to a domestic and domestic violence is just, you know, it's big today. It was big back then. That hasn't changed. You know, we don't, don't do enough to try and emphasise and talk about domestic violence. You know, what, 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 how does it happen? Why does it happen? Why, why is it so prevalent in society? And I remember we went to this job and this, and this guy had beaten up, he was a, a Maori guy, and he'd beaten up his, uh, Girlfriend or wife, and I remember getting there with with Ange Ange Cranny, great great constable, great police officer, and we went to this job. But she's really short, five. She's been five foot two or three, so really tiny. And I remember we walked in. It was just the two of us, and this guy was going off. He was six four, hundred and forty kilo, big unit, mate. He was going off in the back room, and I remember just going, if this guy. Comes at us, so I don't know what we're going to do. Because just was me and Ange, and I'm like, we need backup, we need backup here, you know. And it's just, and I, he was in the back room, and I could hear him throwing stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, you know, what do we do? You know, we're just young, cold, and being, you know, just a, you know, sixteen months, and same with Ange was like class in front of me, and we're just the two of us there, and this guy's going off, and I'm like, hey, mate, we're the cops, you know, we're here to help, you know, just. Settled down and just started talking to him. Just started talking to him from afar. And he came out and he was just standing in the hallway. And I just remember seeing him going, like if he runs out, it's like, I don't know, shoot him or something. Because this, I me, I'd take this guy down by myself with Ange. You know, I'll need a team of five. Even if I had a you know, four blokes there, it'd be difficult. I remember just having to talk to him, like, let's talk about this, sit down, what can we do, how can we help? And I remember him going, I'm not, he goes, right, I remember he, was, he calmed down and then he goes, I'm not going in the back of the truck. He said, I'm not going. He said, if you put me in the back of a truck, it's going to be on. And I, I had a few guys there by then. I had my supervisor. <laughs> and he's like, and we couldn't get the handcuffs on. He's too big. He was too big. Just I wouldn't fit. So I'm like, what are we doing here? Couldn't get the handcuffs on. <laughs> and we're like, and I remember, I can't remember what I was with. And then one of the blokes said, look. So we talked to him. He said, look, we'll put you in the back of a car. He goes, will you do that? And he goes, yeah, I'll sit in the back of a car. Yes, I'm not getting the back of a truck. He goes, you will not get me in there. He said, you'll have to shoot me. So we, we had a talk and I remember talking to my supervisor and like, we'll put him in the back of the car and there'll be like four of us in the car and someone will follow. And and, and to his credit, he, he stuck to his word and we took him back. But that was just where you just had to mm. just had to talk. Like if you didn't know how to talk and Angel and I, because we, we were talking, you know, we were also dealing with this poor, poor woman who'd been battered. I think Ambos were standing outside because they didn't want to come in because Ambos always wait because Ambos turned up and now we're outside waiting because they didn't want to come in because we still had the guy in Ambos. You know, to their credit, Ambos, that's a whole other story, yeah, Ambos. Um, but, yeah, it was just a – was just a, you had to t- think quick and talk to get this guy under control because I just remember thinking, 
there's no way I can tackle this bike by myself. He would just want to torn shreds, torn us to shreds. And it's just that back to that communication. You got to learn how to talk to people. And that was just one of those times I was like, thank God, you know, this guy actually was started to listen and just calm him down, settle him down. I said, because we're not going to go away. I said, we're not going to go away. And it was just one of those jobs that really vivid in my memory because it was, you know, how do I deal with this bloke um, who's angry? And, like, you see some of these people, they've never seen an angry man in their life. But I just remember that day thinking, this is an angry man. What are we going to do? How are we going to control it? But, yeah, that was just one one of the many yeah. stories that just, yeah, right. you know, it was resolved. And I was like, oh, thank God. I remember thinking, mate, you know, getting back to the station. And then, then he was back at the station. He was fine. But it just he was just so angry. And just, just and, and this happens every day. This is what cops have to deal with every day that people don't realise. Oh, yeah, you know, every, I mean, every day. When I say these stories, it's, it's just for all cops. I know, yeah, that's <coughs> they're just going, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just not, yeah. I did that last week. You <coughs> did that last week. And yeah. that just happens every day. I know. It's, every day. It's wild. So when I talk, I talk for all cops. 1999, I was G. Yeah, I was G. now called uh, Paul. Was yeah, they changed. Public order. Yeah, yeah, response. Yeah, so I did OSG because it was Olympics coming up and they wanted people. And uh, OSG was great. I loved it. So it was like your riot entry, cell entry. Um, it was like two weeks on a course. Oh, it was so good. And like people yelling at you, doing, doing pack marches and log runs and it was not not as probably not like the military, but it was still I loved it. It was and it was hard. It was hard. I remember going home those in the afternoons just going oh, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. beaten. And then back again tomorrow because it was it was done locally. Um and you just had to get up. I wish it was sleeping, but you no, know, you, you got to go home. And I was like, oh, just got home. I was <laughs> I think I was in bed at seven o'clock every night. But it was just it was good. Uh, yeah, we had some good operators, you know, we had there were some good people on that course and just doing, you know, um, all the stuff that you have to do, you know, right squad. And it's cell entry. I remember doing a cell entry. You know, you had to be part of a cell entry. You'd go up to the – Oh, yeah, right. Because we do do cell entries. Yep. You had to learn how to do a cell entry if someone was playing up in a cell. And you had to be the bad guy in the cell and try and take on the, the, the five people that came in with shields. And I mean, and that was like, give it your best, you know. And I remember just – you just get smashed with shields and – People pump me, and then there was one of the big guys in there. We had a really big guy, and it's like he w- he was in the cell, and like mate, he had no chance. So I was like, yeah, this, it does work, it does work. And we only ever used it one. I'd only been to one cell entry, like an like, actual, one. an actual one. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was right. a guy. There was a guy at Burwood playing up in the cell. And he goes, "I'm not coming out. You get fucked." Like they called on all the OSG in the area to do a cell entry, and we got there, <laughs> and, uh, and it was quite funny because we get there, and the black that we say, "Mate, you coming?" He goes, "No, nah, get fucked." Do whatever you want. So we all roll in with helmets and shields, and we're all got the, the gear on, and it's like, and the bloke looks at us and he goes, "I'll oh, come out." No, very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the guy he gave him one more chance. He goes, "Do you want to come out?" He goes, "Yeah, I'll come in." <laughs> I was like, we were like, oh, yeah, because we were going to come in and just just give feed him, yeah, we just no, give it to him because it's like because he goes, well, "If we come in, we're coming in," and it's it's no halfway. He's like, "Oh, you know, it's all good." He's like, "You can't put his hand up and yeah, I'm coming out. It's all good. It's all good." But it's just that that. The presence. It's about being presence again. Exactly. Presence. And it, and it worked. And that was the only one I'd ever been to. Um, but yeah, no. Nah. But I, I loved OSG. And then I did OSGs. Had, I did a couple of different riots in the city early on in the stage. Mayday. Mayday riots used to be around back then and a lot of bomb searches and different uh, – did some home entries for 
for search warrants. Oh, remember, shit, I remember yeah, doing right. those, yeah, for, for some drug houses, um, some, some entries in the ha- some homes there with, with the shields going in, uh, vests and you know, knocking people over and locking them up. But, yeah, well, it was good. It was good. I was just young, running around. It was a good time. Yeah. Now, mate, just quickly, there's a, a, a taxi drives down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in uh, we're in Lakemba, and um, yeah, I can't remember who I was with. She'll probably curse me. Um, so we're just there one night, 2 a.m., and Lakemba, like I said, has steps going down. And it's all of a sudden, a car starts driving down the steps of Lakemba Police Station. What the hell? We thought it was going to come through the front door. It stopped like 30 centimetres from the front door. So we guns out, thinking someone's trying to trying to ram us or shoot us or whatever, because yeah. this was after the shooting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, very hypervigilant, nervous, and it's a cabbie, thought it was a driveway. We had just a couple of pissed Irishmen in the back seat carrying on. Bumpy driveway. <laughs> And then, so we're grabbing these Irish blokes. They're from Ireland on holidays. They're just pissed. They're on the ground. They're in handcuffs. Cops are all over them. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're just pissed like an Irishman, you know, and and sent them on their way and had to get the tow truck to get pulled. But, but it's just like you just think you see this car coming down the drive, like the steps of a police station. You know what's going Because we had cameras in. We had the installed cameras. You see this car coming down. And I was fucking, you fucking. You're like shit. What's going on? You got no idea what's happening, and you're like fuck. What are we going to do here? So it's just guns, and we had the thirty eights. We had a thirty eight back then, just a revolver. Yeah, yeah, just six shooter, six shooter, like you know, Wild West. Yeah, you know, yeah, and two then, Irish blokes. Fuck, it's like the IRA coming down <laughs> the vehicle. And I mean, they vehicle were they down. were shit scared. I remember yeah. their faces. They were white. They're like, oh fuck, you know, is it mate, the wrong place, guys? Wrong place. <laughs> what was the taxi driver like? What was he? Oh, he what just he's racing. He was he was scared of him, and he, he oh, thought, was he? yeah, he thought he was going to attack him. So he just, and he thought that was a driveway. Yeah, just the <laughs> demographics at the time, and we just got the tow truck in. We gave him a pill, uh, as in a ticket, and I think that was it. Was he uh, was a taxi driver Asian? Yeah, yeah, we won't say what he was. <laughs> Classic, but, yeah, but just just crazy stories like that, and then, um, but it was just every day. It was I could go on so many different stories, and it's just. Yeah. Just learning every day, you'd learn something new and learn how to different jobs and things you come across and the great people that you used to work with. And just and then and then I sort of I think moved on after doing GD for a while. Um, and did uh, I sort of moved away from OSG? I sort of you did it for two three years and then you get a bit over it and then moved on. Um, then I joined the proactive crime team, sort of like. Focusing on different crime, breaking enters, investigating you know, stolen property, search, getting all that call stuff before you're a detective, search warrants, uh, how to do how to do briefs and breaking enters, breaking enter briefs, you know things like that, and and learn how to uh, where crime was happening in the area, drugs, where drugs was happening. You know, had a lot of had a lot of. Um, Marijuana homes, like whole houses, just full of. Oh yeah, yeah, that was everywhere in Kempsey. Oh mate. Oh, was it? Yeah, full of hydros. Just hydros everywhere. Just it was just every every couple of weeks we're doing a hydro. Just crazy. Just 
and but no one, I mean, you could never find them. It just so you, people would, electricity companies used to. That's it, yeah. Would find out because it was draw, used to be drawing yeah. so much power and people would go, it was oh, massive. The, the windows are boarded up and just bizarre and you ended up going, oh, this is another hydro house. It's just, just every couple of weeks, hydro homes and just constantly just ripping out all these hydro, getting high on all these plants, pulling them out. And like, again, no masks, no protective. You just haul them all out and throw them in the bags and get rid of them and you'd be all over you. You'd be sweating in it and, <laughs> yeah, it'd be hot as hell because there's no ventilation. There's all these big lights and you have to rip everything out. Just, yeah, it was just, it's just having, it was just good fun. It was like not going to work. You used to do all the, you used to love going to work. Never had a day off. I love going to work. And so we was a proactive crime team and we running around doing different things. And and then I remember, I remember one job. Um, we were there one day and that was me and Ashley May. And, uh, we had information there was a certain individual part of this um, family was going to, Go to punch bowl and uh, cause some havoc down at this hairdresser. Um, his name was Fada. I'll mention his name. His Fada. His surname was Fada. And um, I don't know how the information came across, but I remember the crime manager at the time said, "You guys need to get down there and park out the front until the TAU come." The TAU are the, you know, the two AU are. They're like the guy. I'm like, this is. Was it TAU coming? So, but you guys get down there first because TAU are too far away. So, can you get down there and just sit in the street, and make sure no one turns up? This guy could turn up. So, Maze and I drive, we're on the day shift. So, we're the only crew on. So, we drive down there and park out a bit further back. I'm just keeping an eye on this hairdresser. And we're there not even five minutes. And we hear TAU going, Yep, yeah, we'll be there in 10 minutes. So, they're screaming there, like, Why is TAU coming? So I could think of what it's a big deal. This is yeah. something something going on here. Yeah. But we're here just we're we're in an unmarked car. And you TAU is three minutes away. You can hear him on the radio, three minutes away. And an old mate turns up. And I said, actually, there he is. He's in his Honda uh something. And he gets out. Yeah, well, fuck. He's he's got out. I think, I think he had a he was holding a shooter at the time. Actually, oh, shit. So we get out and he sees us. He turns around, jumps back in the car, takes off. So Ashley and I, Ashley's driving, he whips the car around. At the same time, the TAU driving down the road, I see the van. I'm like, shit, TAU, thank God, TAU's here. So we take off behind him. So we're driving around Punch Bowl. I'm calling the pursuit in the uh, passenger seat. We're driving around a Punch Bowl. TAU's in his big van trying to keep up, can't keep up. We're in and out of streets. I'm calling the pursuit. Cars are turning up. Anyway, he drives. He, he, he's going to drive to a friendly house, which was on the other side of Punch Bowl. So he gets he gets into the street, slams the brakes on, ends up on the curb. We come in behind him. TAU is a little bit bit behind because I can't keep up in their van. We're yeah, in the van. Yeah. There. It's, it's going sideways, and then they're getting tipped over. And and we turn up out the front, and he, he runs. He can't get in the front door. He can't get in the front door. So we, Rezo pulls the car up just be, just be, just before the property. We get out and we move to the, had a fucking picket fence. We move to the picket fence. He turns around. He, he points the shooter. He had a shooter. 
fuck my own eye, like dove to the ground. I remember just dive. I remember diving because he swung the, he turned around and swung the gun, and then the front door opened. I remember the door opened, and I remember rolling on the grass with Mazo, and we're going fuck. And the door opened. Luckily, the door opened because I don't know. And then at the same time, the TAU truck turns up. I think as he turned, TAU truck turned up at the same time. And then he rushes through through the middle of the house. And we're amazing. I was still on the grass, like within with our guns out, pointing at the front door, because then like we then stopped. Because he'd already he turned with the shooter. And like because we were calling the TAU, and then we just we stood back and the TAU went in. They went straight in. I remember them knocking over a – I think they just – the door had shut and they just went straight through the front door, went in, and he had gone over the back fence and down the canal. He, um, he'd gone, scarpered. And I remember that day going, fuck, Mazo. We were like, shit. Well, we were still young blokes. So we like, and that was just like, man, heart was pounding. And like at the TO, like, I don't know if the door hadn't opened or – and I remember – I wasn't sure whether we had our Glocks in or not. I think we did. I think we had our Glocks by that stage because uh, we did a Glock transitional. Mm, 2002. In 2002. Yeah. So I think, yeah, no, so I would have had my Glock at the time. And I remember thinking, amazing. It would have been, been on it had the front door not opened. I just remember that. And But at the time you don't think, you're just young, but you don't think too much about it. I didn't think anything of it. And just went back and, yeah, I spoke to the crime manager about it and Tony goes, yeah, just, just do a short report about what happened and and – that guy, a couple of months later, was shot dead at Punch Bowl service station um, multiple times. I think he got shot 30 times by one of the rival groups. So there was – they wanted to get rid of him for some reason and they got rid of him. But I remember that year. It was in the same year. It was in the same year. So he was shot dead at the servo. I remember the Mazo and I saying, oh, that was the guy that we chased. Down at the uh, down at the house, and but that was just one of the just you know I just all remember that story of him turning. I just remember seeing him turn with a gun, and now we dive to the ground. I was like, fuck. Just back to TOU, no hesitation. No, straight up they, the door, they, knock it down. And they just went up. straight in. I remember with the, they, they were just, just like beeline because I think they I think they may have seen him as well. This is this is the Brett Pennell era as well. It's Brett Pennell's, uh, the yeah. Jason Samples. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, this yeah, is their time. Yeah. yeah this yeah, is their time. Yeah. So two thousand. That wasn't two. That was early two thousand three. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Brett was there. Yeah. Yeah. Brett so did I, I didn't know who the guys were, but I just remember them. I remember at the time going yeah. through and um, clearing the joint. And uh, we had spoke to them afterwards. I didn't know who they were. I think they were older guys than us, but um, yeah, I just remember that story. Just wild. Just like, it was yeah. just, just a wild story. But you didn't think anything of it. Was that the first time you had a shooter pointed at you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably the only time I had a shooter pointed at oh, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fuck, that's lucky. Yeah. I just remember, the, thank God, that front door open. That's it. it yeah. Because I don't know, you know, it would have been, I don't know whether you would have fired or. Yeah. Or. Sometimes, like, in your mind, you want to re- replay that and say, I wish that door was closed so we could. <laughs> it would have been a. Yeah. yeah would have been ugly. Yeah. What are we ugly? Because I just remember thinking, fuck, you know, it's, and I just remember Mazo going in the car going, fuck. Yeah, that was, was a wild. Fun and, and, and mate, mate, good guy, Mazo. He's a good guy. Good fella. He's still in, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah, good, good fella. But that was just one. one. And then, and then, proactive sort of finished. 
Um, where I'm at. 2003, December, detective. Yeah, joined the Dees. I got call up. I said, yep, time. And then I remember I was so having. Just quickly, how, break that down. How does that happen? Well, you do, do all your you, stuff you, in the proactive and then the crime manager goes, there's a spot coming up. So you do all your pre-training for yeah, sort of, like your just courses for. Course, no, for, no, no, no. You just sort of get those groundings of briefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how to. And because I, I, I always say to young detectives, um, you need a bit of core work before. Because detectives always say, ask, used to ask me, what should I do to be, a, you know, before I come to the D's? And I say, you know, you want to get your search warrants right, you know, talking to magistrate, you know, go and do, because when you do a search warrant, you've got to type up an affidavit, go to the local court, get it sworn out, get all this basic stuff right, you know, interviewing people, having to talk to people, going to court, get all this core work done. And I always say, you only learn by doing, do as much as you can, interview as many people as you can, do it. Variety of different jobs as you can. It's the only way you're going to learn because in you've done it. See where you went wrong. See where you can go better. How can I do my brief better? Who can I talk to? So, because I, I had some, there were some great detectives in the office and who who you could fall upon and ask different questions, and, and that's how I learned from them. And that's why I did to the new young blokes when I was older. Is this is what you need before you can't just go straight into. You need to have some sort of because if exactly. the boss could say to you, mate, I want you to go do a search warrant for that. And you go, oh, fuck, I don't even know what to do. So you've got to have that core stuff around you to, to then go off and do it. Otherwise, you, you're useless. You are useless to anybody. So then I went to the D's and I didn't want to lead practice because I was having too much fun. But the crime manager said, mate, you've got to, it's time to, time to. And I was like, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, now I'm in the D's and uh, starting the detectives. Which which I which which I loved. A great detective, another hey, another good great detective's office, Campsy. Good experienced police. Yeah. So I, I guess mate, again, you you're moving into a new role. So I guess run us through the first time yeah. you got to investigate your first murder yes. or Yeah, so we had that year there was a few murders that I got to work on, which I worked with uh Anthony Johnston, right, another great detective. Learned a lot from him. Um but when you so when you're new and you te- you just uh, you know you're not making decisions you're just learning and you you're, they're telling you what to do go and talk to this guy get a statement from this guy go and talk to this guy go and move an exhibit learn about exhibits and just just set to learn um, before you do take on some of your own jobs and I remember um, we were very busy we had some you know we had great detectives near my boss Jerry Allison and Neil Hallinan and Dave Wood all good detectives hard hard but fair. And I learned a lot from them. And then we had uh, we had those few murders. In uh, it was a home invasion. It was a home invasion. And I enrolled to do the D's course. So you you, you got to you got to take on different jobs. And and I remember you know saying that mate, there's a home invasion last night down in Belmore. Can you go on uh, oversight? So I went down there and with 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 a young cousin. Uh, I think I just I think I went doing my own myself because it was the office was just flat out. It was that busy. But there was already police down there. GDs were talking to the victim. And I got down there and it was a house in Belmore. And um it was an old lady. 90, she was in early nineties or late eighties. Some bloke had broken in and put a screwdriver to her throat and stole her money. I said, She's an old lady. 
you know, my grandmother, like, like my grandmother. I was like, this is fuck, what's going on here? And I remember the GDs were talking to her at the time and she was very frail and they were taking a statement off her and um, and and they she lived in this house for, since the Second World War. Her husband was a war veteran from World War II. He was he had passed on, but she lived there by herself. And I remember going looking in her house and she had photos of him in you know, military gear and things like that. And I was like, mate, this is not on. I remember being so angry. I was rolled up. I'm like, right. I remember talking to her and, I sit, and she was sitting at the kitchen table and, you know, and she was, oh, you know, he did this. And, and I, I got the GDs to finish. The GDs guy that was there was really good and he finished the statement and I read through it and then I talked to her and said, look, you know, this is what we're going to do and I just need to go through a couple of things. And I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to, to get this guy. I think and it's back to – and I remember thinking, oh, I just want to be here. Attitude. I'm just thinking, this, you know, these things – and being the police is about attitude. If you've got a poor attitude, you're not going to solve anything. You're just going to kick stones. But I remember just attitude. I wanted to be there. Everyone that was in that office wanted to be there, work hard. Just that having that attitude of wanting to be there because attitude – I'm big on attitude. Like you give me a cop who's got attitude of 100%. Cop twenty years whose attitude is in the gutter. Give me the give me the guy, new guy, because he'll want to learn and do stuff. But the guy, and there's plenty of cops who just it's like anywhere in the industry. Anyone with a bad attitude, I don't want to know about them. Why are you even here? Because like people, forget, I always say people forget why they joined the cops. What, what did you join the cops for? A is to help people, protect life, and that's what I wanted. To, People forget why they join the cops sometimes, especially in the upper. Mm. People forget why they're actually police. Mm. You're here to you know, protect the community. That's what, and, and and it all comes down to attitude. And I remember thinking, oh no, I want to solve this job. I'm going to solve this job. I remember thinking, I'm going to solve this job. And I spoke to, and I spoke to her, and I said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. And she said, I've been to the bank. I went to the bank that the day, the previous day. I went to the bank, and I had crime scene in there. And the window was open. I remember a crime scene, and they got a print up on the top, on the inside of the window where he pushed the window down. So I got a print. I'm like, well, we got a print. It's gold. Right, we're halfway there. So I got a print, and um, I think this is great. Look, oh, this is I'm running this job. This is great. Do you have to do that print stuff? No, no, we had a crime scene. Oh, you got the crime so one. the crime scene person came out and did you it. You just don't want it. Yeah. No, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, no, they'll be throwing dust everywhere. No, they're trained and, and they do a great job. Like, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. Just, yeah. And like you, you got to liaise with them you know, and talk to them about different things and they talk to you and that's what it's about. So again, communication, not just sitting back, talk to them. So we we talked and they thought, oh, yeah, it was on the inside, which was good because his finger was on the inside of the window, which means he, he's entered. And, um, and, he, and I ran through what she hid the money in a cupboard. You know, old people, they get their money out and they hide it. And then he broke in, put a screwdriver to her neck and said, give us your money. You know? And I was like, right. So we got the print. I went down to the bank. She'd been in the bank. So I said, I said, to the, I remember speaking to the bank manager. And I had spoken to this bank manager before. And I said, oh, I need your help here. I need, I really need your help. We had a little lady in here yesterday, went ran through it. I need the footage. So we look at the footage, and there she is getting the money out. And then there's a, there's a punter behind her. Watch that. Turned side, looking over her shoulder. Oh, 
detective work right here. Oh, this is and I remember, I remember just going, "How, mate? Yeah, got him." And and then I'm like, then I, I said to the I said to the bank manager, I said, "I need to know who that bloke is." And then, hang, and then like, oh, I said, "Are you serious?" I said, and then I ran down, I ran through the story about what had happened, and they're like, "Oh, you got to get a warrant." I said, "I got to get a warrant to find out who this bloke is." I said, "Are you joking?" I said, we'll just hold it there for a second. I said, what happens if this bloke does another robbery tonight? I've, I've got to go and do a warrant. I take it to the chain magistrate, which could be some, you won't have time for me. I have to do it in the morning. Then I've got to do it. Then I've got to come back. could be two days. Are you going to be responsible if this bloke goes and kills someone? I'll put it back on them. I said, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the pub test here? I said, what would the what would people in the pub think? She's like, what would people in the pub think? That's a good one. What would people in the pub yeah. think? What would people, you're not going to, I said, I don't want to know how much money he's got. I don't give rats. I just want to know what's this character's name and where does he live? Not even, actually, not even where he Just give me his name. I'll do the rest. I remember she was singing. She started thinking. She went away. She came back. She came back with a post note and just left it on the table. <laughs> And I'm like, boom, got him. So I remember writing his name down, went back to the station, looked him up, yeah, local, with no fingerprint on file. Didn't have a fingerprint on file. Fuck. He don't have his fingerprint. So I remember he, he and I looked, went through all his old jobs and I remember thinking, hey, he was wanted for a, just a petty stealing. And I remember ringing the blokes going, mate, you got to lock this bloke up today because I need his fingerprint. So I coordinated with the other guy. Again, speaking to people, got to. Different station, at a different station. So I went out and locked him up, and I remember them locking him up, and they said, let me know when you've printed him. And I rang fingerprints. I rang fingerprints, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I was like, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. It's got to be him. They ring back. It's him. I was like, I've never been so – I like I'd won lotto. Yeah. It was like I won lotto. I was thinking, how good is this? It was. I was so excited, mate. Still the best job I think I've ever done. Because I was just, I was so excited. I was like, your God, first, first real first you know, home invasion. Yeah. Old lady. Like, I remember, I remember that, that day it happened, staying back till 10 p.m. I didn't, I didn't go, I remember staying back till 10 p.m. Just look, just wanted to f- sort this job out. I remember, and I remember Jerry and Boss going, I, I said, I said, I don't want to, I'm going to just sit here and just finish it. I'm going to look at a few people that day. I remember just wanting to, Sort this job out. I stayed there on my own time. I just remember thinking, I've got to sort this job out. I want to, I want to solve this job. You know, and I solved it. I was just like, just, I remember it was so vivid. And I used to go and see her. And I used to go and see her, have a cup of tea with her. And and then she passed away a few years later. And um, yeah, I still don't remember where the house is. I still know where the house is. And just, but just, just, just that attitude, you know, I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to, to help. Yeah, and the right. smallest jobs of all jobs. Yeah, just just didn't, didn't matter. Didn't matter. Like just poor little old lady, you know, war veteran, lived here since you know the f- late fifty, early fifties. First house, you know, had this fucking bloke comes in, no respect, you know, for elderly. I remember sitting in the dock with him. Go, oh, mate, what the fuck are you doing? He's a young bloke. I was just like, what are you doing? Old lady. He's like, I, I could see inside. He was like, yeah, yeah I know. He's, I said, do the right thing. And I just left it. Yeah. 
and he, and he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He yeah, played. He played guilty straight away. Did he, yeah. yeah, yeah. He did the right thing. Slap I said, just do the right. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he got fun. <laughs> yeah. I think he maybe done it six months because it was home invasion. It was quite yeah. serious, and he was an adult. Um, and I think, yeah, armed. Armed. Yeah. Armed, yeah. So I think he did a bit of time, but I just said, mate, do the right thing. You know, I just left it alone. But it's just, that's just, just one job. And then I just remember that was just, you know, that job was just. That's it. It's stuck in your mind. Just stuck in my mind. Yeah. Just it was like, how good is this? I was like, this, you know, this is what policing is. And it's just, just, but it's just attitude, attitude, good, poor attitude. You'll never solve that. And and that's again all policing. If you've got a bad attitude, you're not going to solve anything. You know, I had to work with people and outside agencies and different cops, and you know, it was all part of the teamwork. Yeah. Did any of the other cops out there just go? Well, here we go. This bloke, he's solving solving crimes. <laughs> no, <laughs> they didn't say uh, they didn't say anything. And, yeah. and you know, that's just what the office was. You, yeah. On to the next one. It was yeah. I was on to the next one. They, they, you never get any pride. You don't. Nah. One thing of cops. No, it's not what some mates are like. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this bloke. No, no, because everyone solving and, granny murders. <laughs> solving <laughs> granny crimes. Gran, granny crimes. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. It was like, and then you know, and then it's on to the next one. And and everyone in the office was, was like that. You know, solving their own crimes. You know, it was just good success rate in the office. And then just different jobs, and then you know you, you probably another good job that was in that office was uh, you got to make quick decisions. Um, it was a fire job. We locked up this bloke, Alex Shields, and I had to just quick, quickly did a did a rob. This guy did a robbery. We did a warrant. Locked him up. Two a.m. Come back from punch bowl. So it's two hours. Then on night, Tuesday night or whatever it was, we're finishing late. So we're driving to driving to Bankstown. We used to take our people to Bankstown Police Station to charge and we're, we're driving. We've got old mate in the back seat. He's, he's home. He just did something stupid. So we've got him in the back seat. He's got he's in handcuffs. So we're talking to him. And we're driving, we're driving to Bankstown and we're coming through uh, Punch Bowl. And we look to the right. There's smoke. There's all this smoke coming up. What's, what's going on here? So I was just, we just quickly going to have a look. Place is on fire. It's two a.m. There's, there's, there's no fire truck. It's two thirty in the morning. There's no one around. There's we got an old mate in the back here with us. What do we do? I'm like shit. So we're like we, we, I pull up to the unit. There's smoke billing out of the window. <laughs> I'm like I'm, we're on the radio. I, I get a fire truck down here. There's places on fire. What are we going to do with old mate? And come into the steering wheel. Well, we thought about that. We were, <laughs> like the we were like, we, well, we thought about that. It was <laughs> yeah. like the movies. You know? And yeah. Alex Shields and I, we're like, oh, shit. Yeah, you know, we, we've got to go in the fire. We're just going to have to leave him. And I remember turning to him and saying, look, you only get one chance at this. I said, if you stay here, we'll look after you. Don't run away. And he's in handcuffs. He's in handcuffs. So he's, he's sitting there and he's like, I said, mate, we're going to deal with this fire and I'll note that you read. I said, I'll record everything, that you stood here, you sat in the car, you didn't run away. Because I said, I'll find you. I said, you, you're not going to go find handcuffs. And you're never going to get them off, I said. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, good point. And I said, <laughs> and I said, we're going to go in this fire. So then Alex Shields, we run in and I don't know if the door was open. I can't remember how we, it's only a pincy lock, push the door in and this lady was asleep in the bed and the smoke was just everywhere. The kitchen was on fire. I don't know what she was doing. The, the stove was on fire. It was all flame. And the smoke in the, in the unit was billowing out. So I just grabbed her and 
pull around. And then we in the whole unit. So when and now it's knocking on the, all the other doors, get him out of the unit, get him out of the unit. And then as I get her out, the fireys turn up and our cops turn up. And I'm like, see you boys. So I just left there with the and the ambos there, just and back in the car and off we went. And oh, he mate, was still there. He was still, still there. there. I was like, oh mate, I was just like, is he still there? <laughs> is Jimmy Jimmy Bog still there? And he's like, he's still he's just sitting there, not moving. And he's like, oh, good job. Oh, is that what he said? <laughs> he said, good job. <laughs> and I remember saying, Alex, oh, wow. And I remember, and I remember we, we got to the uh, Bankstown police station and, the, and you have a custody manager there. And, and I said, and the custody manager go, what time was arrested? And we're like, oh, one, blah, blah, blah. And like, she's like, it doesn't take 45 minutes to get from, from Punchbowl to Bankstown. I said, oh, yeah, we had to go to a fire. <laughs> and she's like, fire? And like, she's got it all down. It was all good. And we looked after him. Yeah, we, we <laughs> looked after don't him. Don't move, mate. But it's just, but it's just like, yeah, it's again, it's about, yeah, decision making on the spot. Yeah, just, you got to make a decision because if you did do the old steering wheel thing, and that's what if what if his car started burning? Someone well, crashed in the car. Well, or it'd be so your fault. It, if yeah. he, what if his he car can't get out? What if the yeah. car got caught fire? Yeah, I've I've chained old mate to the. He yeah. can't get out. I've 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 killed him. Yeah, I've I've been from as you said, yeah. It's, Decision making on the spot. I've got to think. If, the, if he runs, benefit, if yeah. he runs, he runs. Ah, I'll find, find him. I'll find him. Like he's running around handcuffs. He can't, <laughs> yes, he can't, he's go, can't, he can't go far. But I just like that. Good job, fellas. <laughs> he said, "Good job." <laughs> he was all right. He just made a stupid mistake. Just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Some people just make stupid mistakes. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot of people make just stupid errors yeah. in life. You know, a lot of people I arrested and spoke with, just stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been just, in the back of the cop car <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> just stupid stuff. Yeah. Mates, um, during this, uh, you know, this this time again, obviously you've solved the, the, the granny crime, moving on to a murder, you know, your first murder or even a murder, you know, that you've had to deal with. Yeah, and, yeah. That was because obviously that's a com- this is complex. This goes yeah, from not yeah, just getting a fingerprint yeah. from Granny's fucking window. No, to- no, this guy, um, this is the uh, guy was murdered down at uh, Riverwood. Riverwood. Um, is that Giuseppe Giuseppe Vitali? Vitali. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's interesting this job because he was um met on a website, gay guy, um, met. Uh, through a, 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 a gay website mm. before start, apps were invented. Before, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a website. See, yeah. back then it was web, before apps. Yeah, you know, I think, plenty of fish. Yeah, so he like and and Anthony Johnson was running that job, and um, I came on came on to help him out because the guy was murdered in early January, um, and this guy and I remember just again just learning new stuff about learning how to investigate a murder, and um, you know it was. The internet was really early uh, in its infancy then, and a lot of stuff was on the internet and having to learn stuff about the internet and and just learning the core work of of a, of a murder, which was and we ended up solving that job. And Anthony Johnson, who was the uh, running the job, did an outstanding job. You know, we ended up finding him and and background. This guy used to there was a history on this guy Trent Jennings, who 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 was the, the culprit. And we ended up finding through the profiles of how they when they met, and that's how we ended up finding out who it was. But he had done it several times, as in used to used to meet people on this website, tie them up, steal all their shit, and steal all their shit, mm. steal their car, their wallet, 
whilst our time, and no one ever reported it. It was embarrassing. Oh, because they're probably probably married or something. Yeah, well, whatever for whatever reason, yeah. and um, he'd done it a few times. This guy Trent Jennings, and uh, we ended up good work, you know, from 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 the detectives in that team. But it was good to learn. You know, I'd never been on investigating a murder before. Just just the intricacies and, and exhibit management, and just all those again attitude. Wanted to be there. Wanted to wanted to help. Wanted to do stuff and. And I was lucky enough, you know, some people never get to work on murders in some stations and having to be there and uh, be involved in a couple in – because when you're in the office, you work on different – you may work on a murder for a week and then come back and then, you know, the OIC might need a hand or, or with whatever because you're just you're still learning at that stage. And then I finished you know, I finished me, uh, my D's course, got through it, and then you're ready to take on whatever jobs – you're a fully fledged detective now, and so you're 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 throwing jobs away. You go it's like you got to run things, and I remember, I remember the first time having to do a job that was quite confronting. We had it, so called Operation Ox Oxen, just Oxen, yeah, Operation Oxen, and this is when internet was early, and Operation Oxen was a job that uh, the Americans had. Created, um, they were able to. I don't know how they did it, but they were able to, FBI able to capture every person that had ever bought into a child pornography site across the across the world and credit card details. People were buying into it, and I remember they gave out. So from the it came to the feds, and the feds then there was like across across Australia and across the world all given these names, what they'd access, what they'd purchased. And I, we in our office, I think there was like five or six, and I'd been given one. So you had to research it. Research the person. Research the person, yep. Yep. what he's done, type out the warrant, go and get it signed out, get a team together, go down there, do the warrant, see what we can find, and interview the, the suspect. And I remember you know, we did all that and – this guy and you know the, the FBI had infiltrated somehow, you know, with, with their tricks, and um, it was and it was all done on the same day, so no one could be notified. Gotcha. So all multiple people on the same day across yep. across yep. the country, yep. across the country. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah right. it was across. So all these this is happening in all different LACs across across the country. And you had FBI out? No, no, no. So the feds. So it goes from the FBI to Feds and the yeah. Feds and then yep, the Feds gotcha, feed gotcha. it out. And then you had all these names. And I remember just saying, and then no, we had we had a spreadsheet, all these names. He was just in your area. No, no, like we had it for like the, whole, the, the, whole, the whole but country. and you're talking some doc, you know, influential people. Mm. And I remember and then my partner was just it was just a Neville, but I remember going down there and we did the warrant and he was there and and, and back in those days, computers were like the big towers and Old school computers with. Can I just stop you for one yeah. second? Go back to that list. Let's. Wish I kept doctors. Yeah, influential like, people in high positions. Did any of these names have MP on the end of it? Oh, not that I can recall. Yeah, but so they probably so, wouldn't. Have, they probably wouldn't have given it to us. Yeah, but we're talking doctors and oh, influential people of yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, yep, gotcha. Companies, you know, yeah, influential right, CEOs, CEOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. If an MP had been on there, it probably wouldn't have. No, of course. No, it would have been someone else. Shut that stuff down. That's what they um, 
But I remember seeing the list. I remember, oh, I should have kept it. Yeah, far out. I still kept that list. Because I remember we went down there and I and I remember thinking, Do you have kids at this stage? No, no, no. no. But I just remember, you know, this is – and I remember thinking – and I remember the boss saying, look, you know, you're going to see some stuff that's going to be – and I remember thinking, oh, shit, yeah, okay. And we, we, we're doing a search wire and he's there and he's playing dumb and I don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. We're explaining it to him, mate. Your, your credit cards being per- purchased in child pornography, mate. Can you tell me? No, no, we're talking. About it. Uh, let's just see. So we're going. To, we're going to his computer, and we had a tech bloke. We had a tech person coming out with us, so he could not in, you know, damage anything that may have been on the computer. So we went in, and then I remember we found these files. We found files. I remember. We, Hundreds, hundreds of files on there, and I remember the guy clicking on it and bang, there was all these photos. You know, you could get all the all the photos, and I was like, "Fuck!" So we just seized the computer straight away. Old mate was under arrest, and we took him back, and we charged him. Uh, did, he didn't. Oh, I think he. I think he didn't want to say anything, and I remember. Going back to the station because we had to we had to look we had to look at the, the images every uh, single one too was it no? back then you had to yeah it's different now yeah. now it's done by a computer <clears throat> it's a pro a computer program does it now but I remember back then you had to look at it and I just remember seeing it and and you, you're watching live sexual assaults that young kids and I just remember seeing what it. ages are we talking oh you're talking all different from three to oh, teenagers. All on this computer, and I remember, and and the, and the other guys were doing it too. And I remember, I was, I was quite shocked. I remember because I remember thinking, oh, I just, and some images just you can't unsee that. Some things you can't, and and this is, what, and you have to watch the whole video too for evidence, don't no, you? No, there were a lot of pictures. A lot of them were yep, just pictures. Yep, gotcha. There were a couple of videos. Yeah. There were some. There were some. I'm just referencing a, another guy that had on Glenn Devitt. You okay. had to watch, you know, like a half an hour. You had to watch yeah, the whole yeah, fucking yeah, thing. Yeah. There was some video. I didn't. My evidence. my one didn't have a lot of videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do. I, I think I've listened to Glenn Devitt one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to watch wild, it. Yeah, man. yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, hell. but I remember there was only a couple. And it was some like bizarre, like not just some videos on there. I I, I won't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah, there right. was just I'm just seeing these videos going. Wanted Jamie's head in the wall, um, and just having all these these images, and just there was hundreds, it was hundreds, and all the other guys had the same as well, hundreds and hundreds, you know, from the other guys that were in my office, same thing, and yeah, you know, we would sit there in the office and have to look at this and sort of categorise and how many, and and it was quite, and I remember going home and just thinking, I didn't have kids at the time, but I, was just, I think I was in shock, it was some sort of shock um, from just seeing these images, and I just remember thinking. What's going on here? What's wrong with these people? And I remember doing the brief, and and I remember I rang old mate because he got bail, of course. And I remember saying to him, mate, I'm going to serve you the brief of what I've got. And I came, I, 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 was, I was, I was, mate, I'm going to come to your workplace to serve this on you. He said, no, you can't do that. I said, why not? I said, well, I hope you're going to do the right thing. 
Sorry, mate. Uh, I said, I said, I hope you're going to do the right thing then because I will serve this brief on you at work. So, no, you can't do that. I said, well, we'll see. Where did he work? He worked at some, um, I can't remember, but I mean, it was like some. Something big. Something big. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to rock up to the front counter yeah. and I'm going to serve this. Because I thought, I've got one to jam his head in the wall. And he had pled guilty before I could even serve the brief. Like the first opportunity he went to court, he said, yep, I'm guilty. So he didn't even get the brief. So that way I didn't have to serve it. So I remember, I remember going, he pled guilty. He already pled guilty. Because you can plead guilty straight away. Mm. And he just went, no, I'll plead guilty. Was there a suppression back then? Uh, on, on their the names. On the name. And they're, and they're, I can't remember. Because obviously it's still fucking, just, yeah. just on that, why the fuck? Do we suppress these people's names? I don't know. And their images I've got on no, their faces. I've got no idea. It obviously just shows that there's some fucking corruption involved. I, got, I don't know why. That's, that's exactly what it is. I'll fucking call it out right now. That's okay. corruption. That's fucking finest. I don't know why we yeah. do Because these people should be named. They should be named, shamed, and fuck. I'm not going to. No, I'm hearing you. Because I just, I just, and I still. And put down. And, and that's. that's and, they and, should, they and should be put down. Yeah. Oh, mate. Mm, Pedophiles. They're, 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 they're the. Just cowards, mm. nothing more than cowards. With, and I remember that, and that sort of doing that child stuff because that's all those the sexual assaults, all those images, sexual assaults that you know at some stage happen over time, you know. And, you, and I think now all these all those kids I saw, they're all they're all adults now, out and about. You know, you think how many of those would never, wherever they're from, you know, just the, out in the internet forever. Well, it's just in regards to the content, is this Australian content or is it hard to say. overseas? It's you hard don't know, to you it's don't know. Hard to say. A yeah. lot of it would be overseas. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of it was from overseas. You couldn't tell. Some you could. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky enough I didn't get to watch too many videos, but like what you mentioned about, but, yeah. But, yeah, but I remember that, that job was – I remember and, – and we didn't have any – there's no one to go and talk to about it. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we're looking. This is what two thousand three. So this is two thousand three. So two thousand three. Two thousand three. Now, now yeah. they've got specific. Oh look, now yeah, it's groups that just it, deal with this stuff. But no, back, but, but back then, because it was so many, you, you couldn't just give it to a specific. Group. It was, yeah, because it was hundreds. Yeah, yeah. and and well, none of us mental health wasn't a no, thing. No, no, never got to speak to anyone. Was there any psych screens? No, nothing. No, no, nothing. So no, it was nothing. Just nothing. fucking nothing. Zero. And but, I mean, no one came in like they. So, you know, now you have people come in and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, course, it, which is course, good. But but course. back then it was just you know just do your just, best, just crack on, just crack on. Yeah. Back tomorrow, back back tomorrow, and we'll get some other punter. Mm. But it was just, I just remember Oxen and and for the lot of guys in our office, everyone was involved. And how successful was that operation? Oh, it was. Uh, was it one hundred percent? Yeah, right. No, because no one wanted to go to court for it, so they just. Plead guilty, oh, straight, guilty away. straight away. Probably because of the suppression thing as well. I'm going to find out when that was that was in play. Yeah, I, I'm sure to be honest. Mm. But, but but Oxen Operation Oxen was the first big one um, that had had started. Um, through, yeah, but there was just yeah, but that mental health stuff. There was no, there was no, no nothing. Obviously, you you get into this child protection stuff a little bit further down into your track. Yeah, was yeah. this that was that kind of like the door? Yeah, open sort of, for you? sort of door open for like me. The then fire. I was like, yeah, it was like yeah, these 
How do you control yourself, Dad? Not to oh, fucking got to be professional again. Just going and put professionals in these blokes' faces. Gotta, I couldn't. Like, I, that's the reason why I couldn't be a cop. I'd be. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say it, but when you're there, it's like they're just normal. They're just they're not like blokes in overcoats and height. They're just like even look, easier. Normal Easy, people. Easier it's just targets. Like, I see. But <laughs> that's what I see anyway. But you just like you got to be professional. You yeah. have to be professional, otherwise, you, you know, you'll take emotional take over. You just got to be got to be professional in what you do. Yeah. I always like you got to be professional. Okay, this guy, I'm be professional. Yeah, you want to jam his head in the wall, but you know, you just got to. Sometimes you want to go back to the 1920s. Man, yeah, oh, your yeah. granddad would have fucking. Oh, yeah, it's just Smith and Wesson. But yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, mate. No. Yeah, so from there, you just move back into. You obviously you're just doing detective work. Yeah, so doing detective work, detective and stuff. then and then um, moving to the Middle Eastern. Yeah, so task force gain. They were looking for people for Task Force Gain because it was getting out of hand, all these shootings. I'm like, yeah, I'll go and give it a go. So I went over to Task Force Gain, which was before, before MEOX. Um, and I, w- I won't mention anyone's name of at Task Force Gain, as in the, the people we investigated because they're not, they're not worth being mentioned. But I went over there and learned a lot. I learned a lot. All the many search warrants we did with Middle Eastern and, and – and when I say Middle Eastern, like when I worked at Kempsey, I met so many great Middle Eastern people who used to invite you into your home and you'd have dinner. It's lovely, you know, hospitality, just so many great people. I mean, it's just a, a, a few, a few people ruin it for everybody. And that's what these people were doing because the community out there, they love cops. But it's, and of course, the media and everything else put, put everyone in a bad light. And just these, Small factions put tarnished everybody. Oh yeah, you know every race is a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, no it, what yeah. Race you're from. Yeah. yeah, and it's just a few people that ruin it. And yeah, and I used to have, go and have dinners, and they give you drinks and invite you in, and the hospitality was outstanding. But always, there's always a small group ruin it for everyone, and these people were ruining it for everyone. And I got to learn how to sources source management, so people would tell stuff in so uh, you, uh, what they call. Source. So, is that what they call them? A source. What do they call them in the US? Um, I'm just referencing movies, well, mate. Well, gig. Gig, source. Oh, Supergrass. Informant. Uh, informant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd call them source and informant here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I got to learn, work with a lot of informants, and over time it's just. And what, like, what's a trade-off <laughs> you give them? Oh, we. Yeah, but bucks, but see the thing is with when you when you start when you start you get to know see that's back to talking to guys and yeah. getting to know them. So you you'd lock a guy up for a for a drug matter and he go oh reduce the sentence or something. Oh, like the movies. I'll give you a name. Number seven, Smith Street. Tell me more about that. And I'll come around and see you. So you go around and see him and that's how you just you know, you just got to it's also about how to how you talk to people. And you know, and you and you go, oh yeah, that Jimmy, Jimmy's running drugs here. He's doing this. He's he's moving on a Tuesday. You'll see his car out the front, and then you, know, you start scoring that way. And different, different. You know, you you may not be involved in that in targeting that person, but you tell you again teamwork. A lot of teamwork going on in there about sharing information uh, with your other teams on what people are doing. Different source. Um, Different sources, different different people, different, yeah, you know, a lot of telephones. When telephones 
we could be in intercepts, um, and a lot of different crimes were happening: drugs, murders. Um, but it was good, good. Like you go beyond different search warrants, meeting different people, and you got to know who the crooks were, who was doing what, and then a lot of, but a lot of informants would also try to get rid of the competitors. Of still, course, yeah, but still working. Yeah. And there, there was one informant when I was there who was. He was an informant, get rid of all his opposition. He was also did a murder whilst he's an informant. It's business. <laughs> it's, it's business. Yeah, for them, yeah. It it's business. It and, you know, and this is what these people did. This was like a full-time job. But there were a lot of sources who were um, legitimate and, and helped um, throughout when I was at Mayox. And you got to um, you got to know them quite well because you, you'd speak to them all the time. And sometimes they'd ring you at two o'clock in the morning and they go, What are you doing? Like, Mate, I'm fucking sleeping. You know, they think you'd just be working your cop twenty four seven. They think you're a cop twenty four seven. I was like, Mate, I'm asleep or I'm it's a weekend. I'm at, I'm at home with my kids, you know. You know, and just things like that. And I remember actually <laughs> I remember when my first kid was born, informant rang me. My wife's having a baby. Mate, call back. And I remember looking at the phone going, what does he want? That could have been something, you know. Valuable, yeah. Urgent or yeah. some bloke's going to get yeah. shot. Because, yeah, they'd ring and go, oh, yeah, they're going to go and shoot. What's his name? You know, you're trying to intercept them. And, oh, man. So I'll be like, quick, I said, what do you want? He's like, oh, mate, bring fucking Joe back at, I'm busy. <laughs> I didn't tell him where I was, but I said, I'm not working today. I'm doing something. But it's just, you know, it just becomes your life. And after a while, then when I had kids, I was like, you know, give it away. Because when you when I didn't have kids, I could do, you know, because we were working long shifts, doing some. I remember working, we, we got a guy and we worked like 30 hours, you know, running around all night. Overtime was just awesome, earning big money. And, and boss, my boss, Ken McKay was a boss, mate, outstanding boss, loved him. Hard. He was hard but fair. Hard but fair. But a good guy. Good hard boss. Because you needed a boss who was no nonsense. And I remember if you couldn't, sometimes you get hit hurdles and, and you'd tell him, you go, I'll sort that out. Between the organisation, you'd bring someone and give put a rocket up him. And, and he'd put a rocket up you, which I didn't mind. You know, he gave, gave me a rocket now and again. That's, for, that's all right. I, I took it. And then he left and then. Um, but he left. He, he moved on, and Deb Wallace was the boss. Yeah, yeah, she's a good boss. Yeah, yeah. good, good, she's good, 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 yeah. good operator. She's coming on. Is she? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Deb was good. Man. What color suit was she wearing? Oh, I think it was a yellow one. <laughs> yellow, pink, blue. <laughs> nah, she was good value. Yeah, everything I've heard about Deb, she mate, just good a, people person, but fair. Make one of the bikies cry because yeah, yeah. he said he, she had a fat ass on Instagram or something. <laughs> And then oh, she's she he she went in and took away his fucking cars, took away yeah, all his yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. She was not well. She was a, you know she was a commander. She was a boss. And yeah, she's just yeah. No, she was a good no boss. Nonsense. She she um, did Wallace came in just before I, about a year before I left. I think she was. Oh, yeah, I liked her. Yeah. She was good because yeah. she was a boss of Raptor at one stage. Ah, uh, she she went from Beox. I think when Raptor was created, two thousand. Yeah, when she uh, became the yeah. Raptor boss. Um, but yeah, she was outstanding. Good, good, good with the troops, you know, but fair and hard and, and no nonsense. Like, 
like Kemakai, but just different. Um, you know, I've worked with some you know good boss. I've 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 had a privilege of working with some great people. Some really good people. Mm. Yeah, so, so Meox was that was an experience. How long were you in that? Uh probably too long. Yeah, um, a couple of years. Yeah, so I, I went to you in in the 04. 2010. Left there in two thousand nine. Two thousand end of two thousand and nine. Moved to North Sydney. Yeah, North Sydney station. Um, that was North Shore. Just in the days there, I just needed. I needed it. Finish my time at uh, Meox. It's just too many phone, late night phone calls and having a, a child. And my time was done. That was long enough. I think you should move. People sometimes move, stay too long. Yeah. You got to move yeah. around. You got to move around. And I, my time was expired, and I was like, "Yeah, time, time to move on." Just you just get ingrained, and it's just thankless work. You know, they're druggy. You know, they're crooks against crooks. It's like, yeah, time to move on. So when you move to North Sydney, what are you? You're still a detective. Yeah, so I'm just back on the floor. Yep. Yeah, using my skills over there, started learning some new skills of fraud, um, which was good. Learned some fraud and um, just a lot of fraud, sexual assaults, working with some good people in the office there. And then uh, probably one of the hardest jobs that hit me was at North Sydney. Like, you don't think it's going to be a – Place that's going to be, but I, um, you know, North Sydney, it's in the metropolitan. It's, it's nice houses and rich, influential people there. And it was a good break from Meox. It was a good break. You know, I had just a nor- bit of normal life, you know, during the week and working weekends now and again. But, and then one day I, I was on call. We worked on the weekend and, um, we were starting at nine, but I got a phone call as we were going in. There was a, a SIDS death of a baby, 18 months old. Sudden infant death, death syndrome. syndrome. Yes. And I was working with uh, Annika. And as, it's just, sorry, just as you know, as a father, you were a father at the stage? I was, yeah. same age. Fuck. I remember when my first child was born, like I would literally, yeah. you don't think they're breathing in the, no, in the cotton. You just like, go in there. Yeah, you're, just, like, you're trying listen, to listen. Yeah. yeah. You, you, Feel and, their breath and stuff. Like, and I remember I kept waking up every night. Yeah, just, oh, just checking. But I remember I got a phone call and and then they said the age and I was like, that's the same age as my kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, so you have to go investigate this? Do you? Yeah, I've got to go it's investigate. It's a death. It's a death. Yep. Yeah, GDs were down there, and I remember we, I, picked, I met. I think I met Annika there, and I remember standing outside and right. I've never seen it. Been plenty of deceased and seen everything. Not 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 child or baby. And I remember walking in, speaking to the supervisor at the time, and walked in. And again, it's back to attitude. Okay, we've got to be professional here. Got to be. I remember saying, that we, I "Got to be professional." And walking in, and this this poor mum, you know, never seen the cops in her life. Just sitting there, distraught. You know, what do you say? Never dealt with cops. Never. You know, she's saying she sees cops. She's in them on TV. And I remember going in there and talking to her and say, "Why?" I explained to her why we were there, why there's so many police here, and 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 she she understood her and her husband at the time understood and explained everything to her. And I said, you know, and GD's left, and we were waiting for crime scene to turn up. And crime scene turned up, and again I had to explain, just again, just keeping her informed about what was going on, and and just seeing this little baby 
just lying in the middle of the lounge room floor on a table. Like it didn't look real. And I just, I was like, and I remember crime scene came in and I, and I said, look, let's, let's go outside. Well, they went next door. They went next door because crime scene had to come in and take photos and, and, and yeah, a lot of people don't. You know, crime scene come in, they've got to take photos and everything. So they had to unwrap the child and examine the body, look from, you know, this, at the moment we don't know how this, this baby died. So they're taking photos of the whole baby and taking off the clothes and looking for marks if there's anything that could have been. Because, you know, it happens that people can, mm, it and does, it does happen. It does happen. So crime scene, and this guy was a good, he very experienced crime scene uh, operator. Um, I think they sent the most experienced guy. They're a special breed of human. Oh, mate. He just, okay. outstanding work that they do. It'd be, be good to get one of those guys yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah. Just muscle. some of those guys. Just mm. outstanding. He was, out, you know, explained to me a few things too and what what, what he was looking for. Um, and he said, look, there's not, this is this is just a sit step. He knew straight away. And I was like, oh, no, but like for her, yeah, like, like that no one had done anything. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is just, you know, just a terrible situation. And having to explain to her, because this is what's going to happen. And I remember, I remember, and everything had finished. And I remember Annika, and then Annika and I went out and looked at the cot, and we're like, how does this, how does this happen? And I remember, I remember looking at the, um, uh, the, the baby, and I think, and then we had to looking at the baby. I mean, now we've got to go. We've got to take the key, the baby. And I said, "Look, we're finished." Um, we and I remember just, just thinking, this, "We have to take the baby." It's like I was like stealing her baby. Like we've got to go and take and and I said to her, "I said, look," and she goes, "Oh, can we just have a couple of minutes to say goodbye?" And I was like, oh, "You know, it's just I didn't." I didn't know what to do. It's like, do we? I can't, I can't say no. And and I and I went by what um, the crime scene. And I said, I asked the crime scene guy. I said, can can we give her a couple of minutes with the kid? And he's like, he said, yeah, it's all good. And I said, all right. I said, and I let her have with her husband some time with it, on their own, say goodbye, and then and then after five, we we just stood back and. Um, what do you what do you say or do? Yeah, and I was just like, this is just for me. It's not not a level, and for Annika, it's just it was only since death I'd ever seen or done investigated. And I remember and then when it finished, she finished, and I was just like, the, the Ambos were there too, and the Ambos wrapped her up in a blanket, and they took her in an ambulance. They didn't take because the the one with the white truck with those guys with the bags turned up, and we said, no, go away. The Ambos will do it. So the Ambos were really good. So we let the Ambos do it, ride in the back of an ambulance, and the Ambos took her to the um, to the to the morgue. Um, but I just remember them picking her up and just. I remember getting home that night, and I just I lost it. I remember losing it, and and again, no one to talk to. I just remember feeling this really heavy weight, and then every night I'd look at my kid, and like mm. your child's the same age, same age, and I'll be in there looking every every morning. I come in and have a look every night, going in and have a look. Middle of the night, I'm going and have a look. 
And I remember investigating this matter and, and that and it came back just yeah. Unknown, unknown reason, which is SIDS. I remember researching it and looking into it, and it's just so much, you know, it's a lot of research into why it happens, and it's just it's, apparently it's just just a, it's a reaction that the, the mind doesn't send the signals; it just stops for some reason. And that was it. You know, I investigated. I, you know, I interviewed. I had to interview the mum and the dad, and I, you know, and do all the paperwork for it, and just submit it to the coroner, and then they just said yeah, it was un- unknown. Sudden infant death syndrome, but I just remember that those few days afterwards, just wow, like I felt like a really heavy weight, like I was in. And then after a while, I just but yeah, I never spoke to anyone. Never, never spoke to anyone. Which, yeah, you, know, you at now it's different. But I mean, that was only two thousand and what was two thousand and ten. That's two thousand and ten. I remember the date. I never, never, never forgotten. That was always, and, and you know, you think you're at North Sydney, you think, oh wow, you know, but you know, I, st- I still, you know, I still remember the kid's name, mum's name, when it happened, and uh, yeah, just, and and I could, and you know, and the same thing for Annika because you know she had kids as, as well. Um, it was just yeah, but it was just I remember just thinking we've got to be professional because like I can't can't lose it. You just got to remember maintain like it's like a switch, be professional. I remember just being professional the whole time. And then when we finished, it was like, oh, you know, just, yeah. I remember thinking, and then again, I was like, oh, getting all these kids' jobs, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm something down the line, something I could do investigating of child matters. Yeah. It's something that interests me again. Yeah, right. Fuck. So, yeah. So then I, um, I think where where are we at? Uh, so you got 2010. This Sid's yeah, death happens. Yep, yep. Just back to every day. Yeah, back to, back to just solving granny crimes, solving crimes, just solving different frauds, getting to know, making a lot of contacts with banks in the area. Yep. Yeah, just yeah. and then and then I want to. I think I want to. I, I applied for a sergeant's job. And I, and, I, and I got it. Detective sergeant. No, no, no. I, right. Of a proactive crime team at like Oh, gotcha. Yep. So, which is, yep. again was back to, but teaching young blokes about okay, yep, warrant, yep, teaching yep. young guys about warrants and property, and but I was a team leader now. I was the boss, and we had a great bunch of guys. I was at Leichhardt, Leichhardt LAC. Good, good, good inner city has Glebe's, Belmain. You got all different types of characters in there in the area. It was a good place to work. Good people there. Thoroughly enjoyed it. How long were you there for? Um, the three years. I only stayed the three years. I stayed the three years. Uh, so I did a bit of GDs too, team leadering. Um, for different reasons. I, I I was in proactive, and then I went to GDs um, to give to give that something to put in my um, CV, and I enjoyed that. But night shift used to kill me, man. It's just well, horrible. I had a night shift. I love GDs, but just doing night shifts was hard for me for some reason. I don't know. I just wasn't used to it. I just, I was, just wasn't used to it. Um, but I did enjoy it, and I worked with a great bunch of guys. Yeah, I loved it. It was good. Now teaching young, young, young guys and young, young guys and girls and brand new, just you know, just the ways of policing, and I enjoyed it. It Was good. You know what your 
what, 12, 13 years in the job by this stage? Uh, yeah, 15. Yeah. 15 so you years. got some experience yeah, behind yeah, you. Yeah, like, and just and, and going to different jobs and, again, domestic violence and just, you know, every job, second job was domestic violence. It's just, you know, it's too much of it. What, you know, why is it happening? And domestic violence, domestic murders, which is a, which is something that is again, I do a whole show on domestic Mate, violence. Fuck that, yeah, girl the other day, like what, or the other week. What 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 are we doing? Like, what's happening? Don't know. Why is it happening? Don't know. Why is it happening? And and I remember going on many domestics. Is it? it have you seen the in, increase of it? Yes, yeah. I think it has. Yeah, I think it has. Mm. And. And, and like my matters of domestic violence, Matt, the one which we'll talk about, that's domestic violence. Mm. Um, and everything revolves. And the biggest issue in the police mate, is domestic violence. And I think it's something that needs to be spoken about. And, and I mean, you, you do these shows. People need, if they've got a, a problem, they need help. Mm. Go out and get help. Yeah, exactly. You need get, like, plenty we, of help out there. We me. listen to these shows, like what you run. To, to, to his stories and to how to get out of shit fights. And if you're in a shit fight and if you think you're going to do something wrong, go and get help. Go and talk to someone. Don't. You're in a domestic relationship. And and I remember always doing, we go to domestics and half the time it's hard for the, the person and and, image, and it's, you know, 98.5% of the time it's, it's a female who's the victim. They've got nowhere to go. They don't know where to go. Because in three weeks' time they're back, they're back. It's they're stuck. It's like they got nowhere to go. They don't know what to do. How how do they how do they get out of there? And that's that's one of the it's it's like a revolving door. And then you see them back with the punch. You think what's three months ago he clobbered you on the head, and now you're back you're back with them. But they don't know what what to do. And it's just it's a social problem, community problem, not just policing. It's a you know it's poor. Shocking crime last week. What you know? For, you know the fan. What do you? How do you? Just unexplainable. And then crimes like that it just happens all the time. Needs to, and that's something that needs to be spoken about. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. People need to, to speak more about it. And yeah, the people that are doing this, the men that are doing this, you need to speak up. Do so. Speak to somebody. There is help out there. But yeah, so yeah, just I learned a lot of GDs, and then um, I went from there, and then the the CAS child abuse. Yeah, two thousand fourteen. What's CAS? What's CAS stand for? Child abuse squad. Very cool. Child abuse squad. Yeah. Um, and I knew, and I knew um, the boss there, Detective Chief Inspector Peter Yeomans. I'd met him previously um, when I was at Meox and worked with him. And he was the boss. And I spoke to another guy who said it's good rewarding work and I applied for the job and I got the job and I started there in 2014. Um, I was wanted to be, again, wanted to be there. Attitude, wanted to be, because you don't go there if you don't want to be there. People don't want to. People don't want to be there, don't have to be there. But I wanted to be there, wanted a new line of work, something different, um, investigating child-related crimes. It's like, this is going to be good. I'm the boss. I have a team leader. I'm a team leader of about 
four or five guys up in northern Sydney. Um, yeah. So I start there, which is – I was very excited to be there. Mate, so you're at the the CAS unit, is that what they call it? Yep. CAS unit. So, so child, child abuse unit. Squad. Squad. So how it works is – just a quick rundown. Um, in the state, there's units that investigate different areas. Uh, my area was that I was a designated team leader for Northern Sydney. Took in uh, just all of the – to the Hawkesbury and towards Epping and all that area to the Harbour Bridge, so that was our area. So we investigated any crimes that involved fences against children because we had to interview a child. You had to have the, the training in relation to interview a child and you do it via like what we're doing right now. So you'd be on camera, you sit with a microphone, um, people can watch it from another room if need be and just sit down like we are now and just talk to a child about it criminal offence. So those, they're called suites. They're across the state um, and only certain people can uh, do that. You've got to be trained. And these matters are then investigated by the uh, detectives. And I had a team of four or five for Northern Sydney. So I started there in, in late 2014. Just back to these interviews with these kids, obviously they got the parent. Is there a parent involved? No, uh, no, no, just one-on-one. Just one-on-one. Just yeah, one-on-one because right. like, kids won't say anything in front of the parent. I think they're going to get in trouble. Gets, yeah. The, the parent could, could be involved. Yeah, you're probably uh, right there. So there's a lot of – when that happens, you, you, you interview. And that does happen. You've got to interview them at yep. school. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a procedure, yeah. So there's a – so how it works is so um, any given day um, you would – so you work with New South Wales Health and you work with FACS and also – a family community services, the old docs. Okay, yeah. So everyone knows them as docs. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's, that's, yeah, that's you get. When I was there, everyone still calls them docs. Yeah. I should just keep the name. But they change it all the time. So you've got to work with them. They work – you're in the same office, so you've got to work with them um, about the jobs because some, some things aren't police matters, so you then refer back to them and health gets them the treatment that they <laughs> require and what's happening with them as in health-wise. So you work with them and you also you have to work with the government schools, private schools, and because sometimes you'll get jobs that uh, are parents involved. So you can't rock up to the front door and go, yep, you have to go to the school. And you have, we have an understanding with the school that we can go and interview kids at school. Take You take a portable pack, portable listening device and a camera and just interview the kids at school and do it that way. And that happens all the time. What ages are we talking? Like primary school kids from kindy to year six. <clears throat> What's it like? Oh, you know, like it's, it's very different. It's like when I started there, you had to learn. Like I learned a lot very fast how procedures work, how working with other, the, the, the facts and health. And so any how it works is so everyone's running their own jobs, um, investigations, so each person. And this is for the whole state. And, say, and it works the same in, in, in the other across the country. So um, you get a lot of jobs through the helpline. So there's a helpline um, that you can call and make a um, mandatory reporting. So there's a lot of mandatory reporters that are out there, doctors, teachers, coaches, ambulance, all these different mandatory reporters. Anyone can be a mandatory reporter, you, me, anyone. So you can ring up this hotline and make a report and say, Child abuse hotline. 
Child abuse. Yep. 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 Um, and anyone can make this report. And it goes to a central agency and then they sort of send it out to where it's uh, and that goes to a, our group who then look at it and go, okay, this needs to go here, here. So you get a job in. So come in on your your computer um, during business hours. And if it was after hours, they'd call you if it was urgent. So you'd get these jobs. They'd come in, you'd read them and go, X, Y, Jimmy, uh, spoken about at school, uh, being touched by the neighbour. Okay, so you'd look at it, look at the background, look at if there's any family community service information, any health information, do some background checks. And then, okay, let's get this kid in. We need to interview him. So you speak to the parents, get the kid in, and just interview them and see what he's got to say about this. Because it's just a, it's just a, it's just an alleged report at this stage. So you can then interview the kid, and the kid might say, "No, no, I don't know what you're talking about." Or yeah, yeah, yeah. My neighbour came across, and he uh, did X, Y, Z. Okay, there's your. You've interviewed you've interviewed this kid, and that's just a typical one scenario. And then you also get jobs from police stations, so they they may have gone to the police station and made a report. So you get police station calling you guys, as in us. We've got a kid down here. He's been touched by whoever. So we'll go down and help them take the job, probably take the job. But we can work together with them in that respect, um, getting statements from witnesses or you know, you know, chasing up whatever may need to be investigated. Um, and, again, interview the kid back at the suite like this and see what information they've got to tell you. And that's just many many of the different types of scenarios. There's all different types of scenarios. You can get interstate jobs, you can get, um, as in kid, happen in another state, so you might need to interview them, send, send it away. Um, there's a, many different um, avenues, that, jobs that come into you. There could be a kid at the hospital with a broken arm um, or a kid at the hospital who's presented with a sexual assault, teenager presented with a sexual assault. So you go down there. Uh, normally it's the LACs find out about it first because the, the doctors or the nurses will make a report and then you find about it and they do a, a sexual assault kit which is you know, an examination of uh, what's happened to the person who's been sexually assaulted. And and as a team leader, I oversight this and decide where jobs go and, and should it be investigated and, and, and we go from there. So I'll give you one example of the bizarre jobs that come in. And they're every across the state and across the country, there's so many you, – you, people don't realise how bizarre – Stories and the jobs that actually come in, and and I and I remember the first. It was in the first two weeks uh, I was there at child abuse, and we had a, a report come in. Um, this a girl had reported to her teacher that she'd been had been sexually assaulted for over a year by her father. So. I had one of my officers ring the girl. She was 13, I think, 13. I had her ring the girl. She had a mobile phone. She's in high school. And um, she said, yep, that's true. Um, 
I will report it. But I'm going on school camp tomorrow. No, t- today. I'm going on school camp. I'm going on school camp today for two days. When I get back, I'll come in and I'll tell you everything. But don't come to my house tonight because I'll say it didn't happen if you do because I'm going to school camp. So don't come. I'm like, right, okay. I'm like, I'm like, so, but, but, but the first thing we've got to think about is safety as well, as well as crime. So we had to make a decision. Do we let it run? And I, well, the decision was left with me because I was a team leader. So do we let do we let her run to go to school camp or do we just go and grab her and pull her in here against her will and start talking to her? I'm like, she's, she's 13. She's made a decision. And we looked at her history and two years before, Cops knocked on her door, same thing, and she said nothing happened. So we've got to look at – so this is this is, this is is just one job of many that happens every day in New South Wales like this. So she's, okay, so I've got to make a decision. So my decision – so back to decision-making, like, what am I going to do here? Do I jeopardise or do we so – right, okay, I'll let it go. We'll come and see you in two days. She's like, yep, yeah, okay. She's gone to camp, second night, it rained. Raining. I'm thinking, oh shit, it's raining. Camp gets cancelled. She goes home. She comes in. So she's gone home because camp got cancelled. Came in the next day with the school principal. So we ring her up. She comes in with the school principal, which don't we don't normally do that. But she came to the school. It was close by. She came in, drops a bag on the desk. She said, "This happened last night." It's Mondays. I was sexually assaulted. Right, so I got my Stephanie Brown, one of my excellent detectives, came in, took her away, started started an interview. One of the guys started interviewing her. Started like, right, we're getting a search warrant together. Go down, grab old mate, and do a search warrant on the house. Anyway, they're interviewing her, so we've packaged this item that she's given to us in an exhibit bag. She's already sealed it and just left it in the bag, put it in another bag. Got that. We're then getting a warrant together. We go down, arrest the offender, which was her father. We grab him. We take him to the station. So we're now applying for a warrant for this address. During we start the warrant, and this was the this is the bizarre thing. So she's being interviewed in in a suite. The guy stopped this interview to tell us some information about what's in the house. She has a, a, a safe in her room, the daughter. So she tells us, go to my safe, type in one, two, three, open the safe. She's got all these little bags in there of every time she was assaulted. Every, I think, I think it's 20 bags in there. So crime's... Crime scene are there. So we call crime scene. He pulls them out one by, and they've got dates on them. It's got date, X, Y, Z, day, month, year, day, month, year, day, month, year, written in, in texter on each bag. So she, she crime scene lays them out on a piece of paper, on a tarp that he brought in, photographs everything, seals everything. He did an outstanding job. 
And just like this is bizarre. this is just a typical. This is my first two weeks. This is just a typical job. So she's labelled every job, every one, and it's laid out on this floor. I mean, I still see the picture of this blue tarp with all these little bags uh, of dates. It goes back about eighteen months. So we finish the search warrant. We go back. She's finished. She's detailed all these offences. We go back, and he's sexually assaulted her that night, the previous night. So we go back to the station to do the charge, finish up the job, because you have whilst the search warrant's on, it's a timeout, which means you have you have a certain investigative time. You have four hours, but it's timeout when search warrant's on. So we go back, we finish the search warrant, go back, and and the, and the team comes to the station where he's at, and now they. Interview, but he doesn't want to interview. But we've got to do a forensic procedure. And I remember this this is like one job, many that happen. And we want to do a forensic procedure on him, as in his old fella, because it's a crime scene. And I said, We're doing a friend. And I remember telling him, So we're doing a forensic procedure. We're going to do a swab of your penis. And he's like, No, you're not. Okay, I said, I said, you want to travel down this road? I said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, okay. So I go away. There's a team of guys out there, proactive guys, just some proactive guys, young blokes. I said, righto, guys, we might need to do a uh, forced a forced forensic procedure. And I got, I got, and I told them about the job. And they're like, ready, we're ready to go. They're all young blokes. They're they So I go back and see old mate. I said, mate, this is a story. I said. So they're all standing. See those guys over there? I said, I told them about this job. We need to do a forensic procedure. You can do it the hard way, or I can get a doctor in here and he can do it in 35 seconds. So, but we'll hold you down and do this either way. What do you want to do? Make a decision. You need to make it now. So he looks at them all and I'm like, they're ready to go. I said, we're to hold you down. We will hold you down and do this. So you make a decision. He's like, oh, I'll let the doctor. I wanted to do the old, the other way, but I said, I think, I said, I think you made the right decision. So the doctor went in and did the swab. So we did all the forensics on him. The, the, the swab came back that, yes, he did sexually assault her that night. Um, the girls did the brief, didn't, um, and he, he, would, he performed domestic violence on all the kids. He used to bash. Bash the wife, bash the other kids for, for for years. No one ever said anything. That's just one typical job that CAS, as in the state, investigates. That's, that's just one. Of how many? Every year from when I was there, from 2014, and on average 700 people get arrested a year. To this extent-ish? Pretty much. 700. How often is it like a father? That is fucking family, disgusting. It, f- yeah, family. That is yes. disgusting. He was just one of the of many that we have to – and nothing gets said. Nothing is reported. No one wants – it's sort of just uh, just another job at CAS that we have to do. 
that the, the CAS operators have to do. And the people that work at CAS are, without a doubt, the best investigators in the state. Having been there and worked on with – I worked some of my own jobs as well, took on some of my own jobs, but having seen how each of these investigators work, the best investigators are CAS people because they want to be there. They're on their own. And then when they do briefs and investigate, you're on your own. You do it by yourself. And they don't, I don't think there's enough people that work in there that, to do these investigations. Because you're constantly at court. Courts are filled with child abuse matters constantly. If you go to court, they're all child abuse matters. But it's not never reported. People don't want to know about it. It's not. It's a taboo. And the family, the majority of offenders are people that you, you, the victim knows, family, friends, coaches, uh, father, and it's majority. It's male. There are odd occasions female, which makes it, it seem like even more bizarre. Just bizarre the way some of the jobs that come in, but they're all different and unique. And to to interview a child for something like this is it, it, it's difficult for some. And you can only some people only stay for a few years because it's just constantly having hearing stories of sexual assaults. Is you know, your bucket can only take so much. And people move on, which is you don't. You know, people have had enough. You've, you've had enough in that in that uh, squad. But you learn you learn how to talk to people. You learn how to talk. Talking to a kid is so. I remember the first time I did the training. I learned how to. You learn these techniques how to interview children. And I remember I had to interview a kid first time. I was so nervous. I was sweating bullets. My hands were sweaty, and it's this is this little kid. I've I've interviewed a lot of different criminals. Big names, never sweat or got worried once. There's this little kid sitting there where you are, I'm nervous as hell. <laughs> and like, because I don't want to fuck this up. You know, I can't mess this up for this kid. You know? And I remember just sweating bullets. But once you got the first one around, and, and then the kid sort of knew I was a bit nervous. And so we just talked about sport or whatever, you know, just a bit of rapport building, like for me as well, just to, before we got into it. But once you got into it, and then I did a few more, that was fine. But when people do their first interview, they're always a little bit, yeah, you because know, you don't want to mess it up. You want to make sure it's done right. And the more you do, the better you get. And I've seen some, there are some fantastic CAS interviewers out there. And then they become so good at when they do interview a crook, they the, the skill is transferable. They interview people. It's the best, the best crook interviews because they learnt from how to talk to children. portrays in their criminal interviews yeah. the skills that they used to interview children. Because there's plenty of cops out there that I know in some squads have got no idea how to interview. You want to become a good interviewer, and I tell people this, detectives, go and interview children and you'll be a great detective. Because it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to interview. I remember I had to interview a few kids and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to sit down there with a mic and it's being recorded filmed, people are listening. It's puts you on the spot, puts you on the spot, and you're like, yeah, this is not easy. But it's a challenge. 
And there's some, and, and and I know plenty of people that still do it, and they and they're really the best at it. You know, and it's an art that they that they've been able to to nail. So they're they're, they're good detectives. And they're having been different areas. They they can't praise them enough. And I enjoy my time there. You have to go to court every single time for each one. You, if if, if yep. it's not guilty, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how? Uh, again, and they're on uh, their own. And they're on their own. Yep. And yep. I mean, I, as a team leader, you try and help them out and and do what you can, and within the team. And but you, you, you get no support from you in your office, and that's it. Mm. Just referencing that dad. How many? How many? What? what did oh, he I got get? twenty-eight years or something on parole after twenty-five. Oh shit. Yeah. So it was decent. He got he got he got smacked. Yeah. Good. Hopefully. Yeah. It was there was like there was a heap of offenses. Never made the news or anything? No. Of course not it even, didn't. Nothing. No. Nothing. No. Zero. Did not make No. Of course it didn't. Not a thing. I remember That's why especially for the daughter to do what she oh, how mate, she documented so it. Like, like where like obviously you had to interview her, like where did did you ask her why she She just actually just, let's let's not talk about it. I don't no, want to talk about it. but just but I mean, people, these kids that come forward, and we're talking general. These yeah, kids in general, come, yeah. These kids that come forward are just, you, know, you talk about brave people to come. They, these are the bravest people I've ever seen to come forward and talk about being assaulted by someone it, to a total stranger. You know, to sit down in a room like this and say, "This is what happened to me." I remember interviewing a couple of kids and just, you know, and you've got to, and you've got to keep it, you've got to keep yourself together too because they're telling you some stuff and you're like, I just want to put your pen and just, and you're hearing these stories and sometimes, you know, the person's, there's a person watching it as well and just, you know, and you've got a little microphone in your ear and they could give you a few hints, you know, maybe have a break or kids, it just, can't comprehend some of the things that tell you, and, and and to keep going too, and and to work and say, okay, yep, what happened next? And, and and you and you use those skills that that you've learned, a when you're training, and then what the kids like. Some kids have got to be prompted all the time. Okay, then what happened? And and you got to keep your questions, you know, closed and open questions. You know, don't feed them any of the, of the answers. You know. Yeah. Like how are you gonna how are you, you know some kids are really hard to then this happen okay then what happened next and then what happened? and then not have to and some people you know it, it, slip ups happen and like avoid the yes no questions and but yeah it's it's a skill it's just a skill how do you contain yourself oh, you know you're looking it, let's go back to earlier that uh, Operation Oxen yep now obviously you just it's just reviewing. Yeah. Footage, image, yep, yep. you know, some pedo that's just paid for the images. Yep, now yep. you're dealing with you're the child di- involved. Yep. And the real, then the real, the real child. Real child. And then moving to interviewing the offender. How the yeah. fuck do you hold yourself back and not stab these cunts in the face with a fucking pen? You just got to be, it's just, oh, again, fuck. that's professionalism. You got to be professional. You got some fucking restraint, that's for sure. And I remember sitting there with, the, I remember talking to this guy when he talked about, we said about friendship procedure. I said, and I just remember saying to him, I said, you can say no, I said. I said, you can. I was like, you can say no. 
but we will get it. You choose. It's your choice. And I was like, oh, I hope he says no. So I had these guys ready to go. I oh, fuck, I should have done it anyway. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 it's all good. We'll do the, do the yeah. doctor's way. But, yeah, you just, it's just the, you know, and, I, and every person that comes, I was like, you got, you know, you know, we've got to maintain professionalism. Mm. And, and they try to, and these guys, they're just fucking cowards. Has there been any cops that lost, lost it? No. No. Because these people don't want to, they're cowards. They're not going to front up to you. No. No, no they're, they're, no. they're no, of course, yeah. No, you know what? They're like they are cowards. They're nothing. That's why they prey on children. That's why they prey on yeah. children. They're cowards. They are just nothing yeah. but cowards. That's how they should be called, because they just as soon as you turn up, they're oh, no, yeah. You know all these little submissive types and just just pathetic. And you know you you talk about that seven hundred ish. You know, yeah, that, and that's, that's that's Australia wide, is it? That's New South Wales. That's just New South New Wales. New South Wales. The, the demographic of these people. What are we talking about? Oh, all different types. Just any, anyone. A, any. Well, I worked. I worked in Northern Sydney. Business types. Yeah. Money. Different. All different. Depends on what area you're in. Like we were not the busiest of us. The busier ones are out west, yeah. Penrith, Newcastle. Busy. They're the busiest states. They're the biggest. Busiest units, but it's just and, and and it's changed a bit now. They've combined a few of the units to make them even bigger because there's more people. But yeah, no, it's depends on your demographic. Doesn't there's no there's no um, particular type. It's just yeah, for the past ten years, seven hundred a year, and and in saying that, it's an eighty percent success rate at court. Yes, 80%, which is the highest for and any crime. What happens, what, like the reasoning for the other 20? Are they just furfies from the kids? Ah, uh, just. Did you get, have you had that where kids come in and said, oh, fucking old mate's done it's, this. It's it rare. It turns out to be it, fake. Yeah, it is rare. It does, to, ha- it does yeah. happen, but it's very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very mm. minute, very minute. Um, but 20%, it's just. Your kid may not be confident. A kid, mm. they may just, it's it's rare. Too scared, yeah. They just don't see it. Um, it could be just a story, a version where they're not. Um, Especially age bit, too. A bit vague or, I mean, I've not seen one that's not guilty, as in not guilty at court. The one's always guilty or pled guilty. And they're decent, you know, decent stints in prison? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Always? or Always, yeah. Oh, that guy, that specific one, he was, you know, 28 years, so it's... Yeah, right. Hopefully he's getting fucking oh, yeah. jammed. Yeah. Jammed by bigger blokes in prison. Yeah. And then, I mean, sure but, but I mean like, there's prisons have got different sections and they all go to the same prison. And Oh, do they? Yeah. They so all... protected. They go in the protected system and they're all, like, together. You, you, they yeah, all they're, come. They're not, they in, all they're, come. Not, they're not in normal... Of course they're not. This, this is why is this happening? Why are they not just put into fucking regular prison with the regular fucking prisoners? Because they get protected. They have rights. Why are they getting protected? Fuck their rights. I'm I'm just telling you how it is. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. I can smell a raw commission coming on. Because you know, you got to protect them because A, B, C, D. You know, because if they they get attacked, then well, then you wouldn't provide. You didn't provide their welfare. It's all this 
protecting rocks. I can go exactly what the fuck it is. I'll say it how it is. That's what it is, mate. Rock spiders protecting rock spiders. They protect their own. Um, fuck, mate. Like, in just just another question, mate. In regards to the kids, you know, obviously, you know, you've seen it in the past, and I've heard about it in the past. You know, some of these kids end up taking their own lives. Yeah, look, yeah, look. You know, is that an often causes heartache and heartache for years for the rest of their life? Some, yeah, never coming out, you know. I'll make uh, never recover. Hey, dad, you know, yeah. Well, some kids, I mean, we had, you know, see, once they've hit a certain age, we don't investigate it, everything just goes to the the LAC. But there's plenty of people come forward after years. Um, but also in saying that, we also have when kids do the interview, they don't have to take action if they don't want to, so they can say, Look, you know what, I don't want to do anything now. But I tell you what, if I feel good in a few years, I'll do it. So we can say, okay. So we always say, you know, it's good to tell your story, you know. And if you and if you don't um, want to do any, and, and it, it gives them power to say, look, you know, you t- you tell me your story of what happened, and we'll put it, and we'll shelve it. We just say we'll shelve it, we'll put it on a shelf, and it's always there. But if you want to come back, we can take it off the shelf, and we then can use it. And look, he's, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So they tell the story and they go, nah, I don't want to do anything. Right, we'll just put it on the shelf. I said, we'll just put it on the shelf. It's always there. And it's there forever. If you want to if you want to come back later, 10 years. Mm, still there. It's yep. still there and it, it's made at the time. Yep. And, it's up, and, and, it, and it sort of gives them an empowerment control. Whether or not they – and a lot of people don't do it, and I understand that. Going through a court system is not uh, – it's a difficult situation. Courts is a whole. You could do a whole podcast on court systems, but we'll leave it. Um, but that's how it is. Yeah. So it gives them the power, which is I think is good. Um, but yeah. So you're working on this stuff for the next few years. 2016 child abuse response team. Yep. So I go. I leave the the place that's looking after Northern Sydney. How's your How's your noggin? Your mind? Yeah, good. No, good. Just, yeah, no, I, I yeah, good. I love doing helping kids and working with good detectives. Because at that 80% strike rate, you're just like, yeah, it's this good. is fucking yeah, we're getting, it's we're positive. Get, we're getting, got, so there's, a, yeah, there's an outcome. I'm working with good people. I'm working with good bosses. Um, but you're still seeing images and stuff like that? Not, not so much images anymore. Because it's just, it's, it's just been told. It's been told. And, yeah, and I'm, because yeah. rev- I'm the team, I'm reviewing and I'm seeing, um, Briefs and having to review interviews and and seeing and hearing it and and looking after the, my team as well. I could look after them. Um, yeah, but no, I'm enjoying it. It's something, and whilst I'm enjoying, it, I'm going to keep doing it. And like I, I saw people leave. They said, "You ever had enough?" That's that's fair enough. Move on. That's good. I understand. You've had enough, and everything has a shelf life, especially in that area. You got to, sometimes you've got to move on. And I accept that. It's not for everybody. Some people come in and go, oh, it's not for me. That's okay. Some people come in and go, oh, I love it. This is, this is great. You know, some people do it for years. I think there's a limit that you can do. Um, but, yeah, just, just that's what it's like. Every, and that's what they're doing today, right now. You know, I still I speak to my old boss. He's still the same. He said, of course. Like, any any high-profile ones you've dealt with that have reached the media? <sighs> 
think right now. No. Just still, just normal everyday people that are doing these things. People are walking down the street. Fuck yeah! Just no, no one in coats. That does happen. Like the strangest sexual assaults mm. does happen, mm. but it's not. It's majority of it is people that they know. Yeah, yeah, and it's just happens all the time. Yeah, well, and it's just that people just don't know. Yeah, people just don't know. Um, obviously, over the past couple of years, well, I know there's been a couple of cops that have been busted. Yeah, 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 cops. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Did you have to investigate any of those? No, they're done by uh, invest. Uh, what they call internal affairs. That's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. Professional standards. Yeah. Professional standards. They might get someone to do the interview or the kid. Yeah. But apart from that, it's all done by professional standards. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, cops. Yeah. It, anyone. Anyone. It's fuck. Yeah. Politicians. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yes. Uh, so you move into the child abuse response team. Yeah, so that's a different – so it's, that's, again, it's under my, my, my same boss, Peter Yeomans. So he ran a little team that jobs were a little bit different um, statewide. So maybe you might have got multiple victims across the state or your offender might live in a different state to the victims overseas. or So just it's just coordinating, helping out the, the CAS units, um, just things like that. So it was, it was good. I had a great team. I had an excellent team of guys. That's where I met um, Tim Carey, Ben Anderson. I had a really good team. Other offsider, Matt Munro. He was the other sergeant uh, under Peter Yeomans. We had a couple other girls in there, Jane Pryor, Linda Bernardi, Tiffany Graham. All good, all outstanding. Everyone there was great detectives. All knew their stuff. All knew their what to do. You could rely on them, trust different jobs that we did. Uh, yeah. 2017, December, you move into. So we, our squad has a bit of a, bit of a change. Reshuffle. We joined sex crimes for a little bit because I like to, they like to mix it up now and again. So that was just part of the thing. So we become, we became part of uh, one of the teams in sex crimes uh, in December. But then I was on, on leave. Um, yeah, we joined up with Sex Crimes in uh, December of 2017, and we become one of the uh, teams on in their group. And I come back from holidays, January school holidays. You know, I come back on the 20th on the on the Monday there. I got my team, and uh, it's a it's the start of the. Start of that week on the Monday. This is where fucking. This is where we this ramp. Is where it all changes. This is where, where, where life as we know it changes for me and many others that were involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was happening? So this so, is 26th of January. So it's the 20th. So the 20th was the 21st. Yeah, 21st. I think it was the 20th. The month, that, that Monday. So back to work on Monday. Um, with my team, all those guys, and we're 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 we're, help, we're doing different things. We're helping out with different jobs. Um, a couple of guys got their own jobs that we're looking into, and I'm making inquiries about different jobs that come in. Helping, you know, Buddy Owens is the boss, throwing me different things that I got to look at. Just a regular day. Just a regular day. Just different 
because now we're looking at sex crimes, we're adult sex crimes as well. So we're helping out. There's jobs coming in that we got to review, and um, we're going to. My team is going to be on call on the Wednesday. We, we're taking over as on call response. So if something happens, we go out and, and investigate and help out whatever we can do, whoever needs help. So I get a briefing from the previous team on the Wednesday that that there was a job at um, – so I had a quick talk to the other team. There was passing on the jobs that they had had the previous week, which you'd do, and we weren't, we're working out at Parramatta headquarters. And um, they had been notified of this job that was at Penrith with the Penrith CAS, with the Penrith Child Abuse Squad. They were investigating a matter where um, a child had been sexually assaulted over a number of years. I said, okay, what's this job? And, they, and they're looking for an offender. They had He was outstanding. And the, the, they had done a search warrant on either the Monday or the Saturday or the Sunday with this fella because um, she had made a report very similar to the other job that I mentioned before, very similar um, over the same years, domestic violence, being the kids, very identical jobs, very identical. And I was like, okay, this sounds very similar to the other job. I said, okay. And so I, I made contact um, with the Penrith guy saying, if you guys need any help, just let us know. We're here to help out. We're on call. Let me know what's going on. What are we, you know? And they're like, no, no, it's all good. And there's a few things that went on that didn't happen um, that we weren't told about. And I get things happen. People are busy. They're one of the busiest CASs in the state. They're number one and number two. They're, they're flat out. I get that. I get it. But I wasn't told information and it wasn't recorded. It's because they're so busy. It's back to this. There aren't, there's not enough resources in these CAS units. This is where we should be focusing all our attention. 700, 700 jobs a year, arrests, let alone other investigations. There aren't enough people doing these jobs. This is a direct result where resources aren't provided properly. The people are doing their best. Absolutely, they're, they're doing their best, you know. And like I said, I love the cops. I'll always put my hand up for the cops. But things happen. That's it's like anything. You know that? You're in the military. Things happen. Things happen where they don't go to plan. Anyway, we said that we're here to help, and and that was last I heard. And then <clears throat> we're all getting – Calling every now and again. Do you need any help? No, it's all good. They're, they've got a, they're, they're in control. I said, okay, all good. And then I, I read I read the event about what this guy had done in his offence against this 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 child, and it was horrendous. And I was like, Ish, mate, mate, we're here to help, mate. Just tell me. It's not my job. I can't take over someone else's job. It's just you can't. It's not what you do. You know, it's like any job. You can't just you just can't take over. But I remember talking to their boss and my boss, and I said, "Look, you know, if things need to be done, we're here to help. Just send us what you got. Send us what info you have." I never got anything, so I said, "Right, it's in your hands. You, I'll leave it at that." 
<clears throat> and as the Thursday rolled around, we had another job that was going to be maybe going to a job down down south. Um, I was talking to there was an offence down there. We were going to go down there and help out. And the next day was Australia Day, so I've been on the phone to these guys and we're doing some stuff from the office. We were going to go down south to help them, and it got called off at the last minute. Then on the twenty fifth, like late, like at nine pm, and we're like okay, and I said, and I said to my team uh, that uh, that job's over, and I said we might look at the other job, and I'll ring him tomorrow, and I, and I remember ringing the next morning. So it's Australia Day, and I remember ringing the guy that was in charge. We're available today. What's happening? And I said, you guys at work? And said, no, we're not working. I said, no. I remember thinking, this guy's on the run. He knows he's on the run. And he knows he's wanted. Threatened to take out the kid, and you're taking the day off. That's not the right thing to do. I said, if this was a a crime gang member, we'd have all hands on deck. There'd be people coming out of the rafters. I said, because this is a this is domestic violence. What are we doing about it? I said. And I knew there was an informant who wanted to help out. There was an informant who wanted to help because he knew too that he was wanted. And I saw that there was threats. I said, Wait, if we don't do something, this is going to be a classic domestic violence murder of the kid and the wife. What are we doing about this? Nothing. I said, we'll get – if this guy goes and kills these people, you know, what would you do about it? He's on the run. He knows he's on the run. What are we doing? What are we doing about this job? And I remember saying that morning of Australia, what are we doing about this? The coroner's going to, if this guy goes and kills his family, it's going to be held. The cops have already been in enough trouble with things that they didn't do. I said, we can do something about this. Let's do it. And I said, don't worry about it. Give me everything you've got. I'll ring the informant. We'll try and find this bloke. He's, he's got to go in. And I rang Tim and Ben, who were my other two. The other the other guys couldn't couldn't make it, so they were taken away for something else. So I ring t- Tim and Ben. I said, well, "We're going to we'll find this guy before it's too late. Otherwise, we're going to all wear this. And this poor family going to be murdered because of this guy. And we're not doing anything about it. it happens all the time. Do domestic violence. It's number one, and we're doing nothing." I said, right, so I rang the team leader from Penrith and I said, who's this informant? I want to talk to him. And he actually rang her and said, there's something happened today. He's in where he and the old mate are going to catch up. And so she gives me the number. So I rang the informant. I said, what's going on, mate? What's your name? And he, he sounded pretty good. He was an ex, ex, ex-fed. He sounded legit. Anyway, I spoke to him for a bit and he said, look, I'm meeting this guy today for a quick quick five, ten minutes. He wants to catch up. It's his, his old business partner. So I said, all right, well, can you let us know where that's going to be? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, have you got a suburb? He goes, it's going to be in Maroubra. I said, right, 
So I said to my two guys, get your ass to Maroubra, we'll meet up. So we've all got a car. And I remember I remember calling everybody, telling all my bosses, letting everyone know we, we're going to going to Maroubra, we're going to get this guy. He's on the run. And I remember thinking, I remember my kids were there. It was Australia Day, and um, and the kids were going to do something. They're like, are you going to come to the park down? I said, oh, man, I've got to go. I mean, I've got to go to the sort this, this job out. And I remember my, my daughter saying, where, where are you going? She never asked me where I'm going, ever. So I was just going to see, just going to see a guy. And she said, oh, okay. I sort of, okay. Never, never said, where are you going? Ever just asked me, where are you going? So I'll be back soon, don't worry. I'll see if I can get to the park later for Australia, you know, Australia Day festivities. Anyway, I leave and I'm ringing people in the car, ringing bosses, I'm ringing people, and I'm waiting for the informant to say where, where, where you're going to meet. <clears throat> so we need to get this guy. Anyway, so we I meet Tim and Ben um, at the uh, park where we all jump in one car. <clears throat> So we were just waiting, and I'm waiting for this guy, and, I'm, and he sends me a message. Oh, we're at the pub. Earlier, so we're in, we're in the pub, Maruba pub. So we zoom there. So we we were not too far away. So we parked at just outside the Maruba hotel. He said, "We're just inside. You better be quick. He's going to go. He's going to go." So we rock up there out the front and we call off, like you call off where we are. So we quickly called off. And he's, he says he's inside, he's, we're in the back table in the smokers area at um, River Hotel. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we've got him. Like, he's not going to cause anyone harm today. We've got him. He's not going to. You know, this guy's committed some horrendous offences and he's threatened his family. Got to, got to take him now. We're, we're, we're going to go in. We can't surveil him. I wasn't going to surveil him. We just go in. Like any arrest that happens every day, we'll go in and we'll grab him. I've got no intel about any knives, nothing like that. And I tell the OIC who's coming in. He's, but he's from Penrith, so it's taken a bit. It's a long. It's a bit of a drive. So I said, mate. He's making his way in with his partner. And I said, mate, we were going to wait. But when he told me that they was only going to be there for a short time, I said, well, we've got to go and grab. We can't wait for you because you're too far away. I said, that's fine. We'll go in and grab him. And when you get here, you get here because we're going to lose him otherwise. And I don't want to lose him. So I had to make a decision. I'm the team leader. I've told my boss, I said, we're just going to go in and grab him. So we're outside. Um, if you've ever been to Maroubra Hotel, there's a <clears throat> there's a door. We're outside the door in the smoker's lounge, and he said, we're just in the back corner. And uh, I said to Tim and Ben, I said, look, I'm the team leader. I'll go in. I'll first man in. I'll go first man in. I'll take him down. Put the handcuffs on. Job done. Anyway, so Ben goes in first and sits at the table. 
just playing on his phone. It says he's in the corner. It's a, it's a bit cramped in there. The table's really close. Um, the close, table's really close in there. It's not a lot of room to move. And I remember I said to Tim, Tim and I were standing outside. And we're like, he's in there. Okay, I'll, I'll front him and we'll take him down. Handcuffs, take him back. And I remember messaging the informant saying, okay, we're coming in. And we went, went in. I, was, I walked, walked in, fronted him. He was there and he sort of, he sort of stood up. At that time, his hands were you know, element of surprise. He had a backpack. Don't know what was in the backpack. Could have been a gun. Could have been anything. So we're like, I don't want to give him the opportunity to go for anything that's in that bag. Because I remember with Tim and I, we talked about the bag. I was like, oh, what's in the bag? You know, why is he carrying a bag? He's on the run. He's got a bag. So could have been a shooter in there. Could have been anything. We don't need to pull out a shooter when we're fronting him. So we'll, we'll go in and rush him. And when I when I say this story too, it all happens super fast. Um, so we so Tim follows me. We walk in. I see him. He stands up. I grab him. He sort of turns, and that the table was there, and it was really it was like one of those long tables with the wooden things, and it was hard to get. You couldn't like push the table. It was like solid. It was like he was behind the table. I was like, it was really confined space. And I, I, I grabbed him, and he sort of turned, and then he got me twice. And I sort of was going to take him down, and then I don't know where he's pulled an knife from. I think he had his in his back pocket. He's got me twice. Boom, boom. Just underneath the rib, each side. I remember just feeling, what was that? And I, I pushed back, like I drill checked him with my left arm, and my side of my body just went numb. Just like my arm, just I couldn't lift my arm up because I was. I knew I'd been, I knew I'd been hit, and I and I moved back. Couldn't lift my arm. And I was like, and Tim was just Tim was behind me. Tim was behind me, and I remember just going, "Fuck, shoot him, shoot him!" And then I, I walked backwards, just going, "Ah, oh, fuck!" And then, oh hell, rained. The noise, fucking loud. Just the, just the noise of the guns going off. Both, both out of the cops. Both, yeah, yep. both. Just it was a, an array of bullets. Just. Wow, the noise! I just remember the noise because it was in that confined room, and never, always having earmuffs on when you when you when you do your shoot, you never actually hear without your earmuffs on. It was so fucking loud. And I remember going backwards, and then I was, he dropped. He dropped to the ground, and the boys were yelling. And I remember moving back away, and there was like a. Just near the door, there was like a little step, and I grabbed. The, I had the radio. I had the radio. I remember grabbing. The, I couldn't. My arm was still. Like, I don't know what, what was going on. My arm. I just, I just couldn't get my arm. My arm was like not moving, and I had to reach around 
with my left arm because the radio was on my right hand side. And I had to reach around and I got the radio and I met Tim was in. I threw him the radio and I said, He's like, I'm going urgent. And I remember, I remember looking down and just seeing the blood just coming to, to coming from below, just below my ribs. What were you wearing? Just a t-shirt? Just a t-shirt, just a white t-shirt and then the blood. I could just see the blood. Fucking white t-shirt. White. And it was too. white and it just, and just red just starting to, I was like, and I sat down. He he was already done and I sat down and I, I just remember thinking, fuck. I've, I thought of your simunition training. You know, when you when you do your training, at, we you go in and do your simunition with the training people. I remember thinking the same. This was just like that, but I've I've come out fucking worse. I remember thinking, fuck. Just thought of simunition. It was like a simunition. I just remember thinking that the first thing that came to my head. I was like, fuck. And I remember just standing there going, sitting on this little edge, and the boys were. Dealing with him and the other, the other guy that was there, and for, just for, and then just thinking, I'm fucking done. I remember the jobs, and reading jobs about people you get stabbed in the stomach. You you you're done. No one survives. And and I just remember sitting there going, Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna die. I said, I've had a good life. All good. They made peace with it. Yeah. I was wasn't panicking. Felt I've actually felt felt normal. Good. I actually felt euphoric. I was like, yeah, I'm done. And so I I, I went to lie back and said, Yeah, okay. I remember thinking I had a great life. I just remember thinking, oh, what a great life I've had. So, and I, and it was sort of like because I met so many people over the years, and some people don't even get a life. You know, some people repeat the same life and just terrible lives and whatever. Some people die so young. I was just remember thinking, oh, I had a good, I've had a good life, and, like, I was, and I remember lying back, remember going lying back, and I remember just lying back. And I saw, I remember seeing Tim look at me, and but he was dealing with other stuff, and it was like, I'm good. And I remember the doctor saying that was just the adrenaline. Of course, and loss of blood as well, yeah. Just your adrenaline Shock. just just started to pump, and I was good. And I remember just lying there, and I shut my eyes, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then something clicked. As soon as I shut my eyes, I, I saw my family. And then I was like, and then I saw this light here, and I went, no, 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 fuck no. I remember seeing my family and I was like, no, no, fuck, sat back up. And went, right, I fucking start thinking, what do I need to do here? What would you, and I said, I remember saying, what would I do if I came into this situation? I remember thinking, right, right, I need pressure. I need some pressure on these fucking wounds. And then some bloke sticks his head in through the door um, into the, obviously he's heard a commotion. He's, I said, oi, oi, come here, you. Come here, mate. I said, I need some help. I've been stabbed. Can you put some pressure on my uh, my wounds here? I'm a, I'm a police officer. Can you help me? He's like, yeah, he comes in and he, he's, he's pushing. He starts putting pressure. I was like, mate, just put pressure there. Yep, 
I said, push as hard as you can, hard as you can. I said, oh, that, that, that feels good. And then another bloke walked in. I think it was a manager or someone. And I said, you can do the other side. So they're on top of me, putting pressure. And then I felt all right. I was like, okay, okay. Because I remember at the time, I remember that there's a, there's a military saying that I read once, do what you can with what you have where you are. And I remember thinking, I've got to do something. I can't just lie there. That's why I said put the pressure. And I remember reading that military term, mm. do something. Don't do nothing. Do whatever you can. Just do something. Move. If you can't move, then talk. Use your mind. And that's why I said, you, over here. So these two guys are putting pressure on and then cops are turning up, people coming in, and I'm on the floor with these guys putting pressure. And I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling pretty good. But I, little did I know that that knife – it went in, hit my liver, kidney, ural artery, diaphragm, and my lung. How big was the knife? It was about 10 centimeters, eight, ten, eight to 10. Kitchen knife or something, was it? No, no, it was like a military type. Fold out. Fold out knife. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, on the right-hand side. That's, that's the damage it did on the right-hand side. Left hand did nothing. But it still got me, but didn't hit anything, because um, that was the second one. That was the uh, the second one that hit me, and didn't go in as far. But the first one went in all the way, and hit all those all, hit all those organs. So I'm on the ground with this all this damage, not knowing, and these guys are they're putting the pressure on, and I remember there's just a lot of noise, a lot of noise. I'm on the floor, <clears throat> I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, come on, I can do this, I can do this. And the guys are taking care of old mate. And I remember seeing him. I remember seeing him. And I said, fuck you. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. He's dead. He's dead. I remember, fuck you. I'm, I'm going to live. And the ambos, I'm in the ambos coming in. And they put me on the on the gurney. And I remember going through the, ho- the hotel and seeing all the cops and people around. And, and I remember I got, I got in the back of the, of the ambo. And they're doing, they're ripping my shirt off and asking me, I remember asking me questions. You know, you're allergic to anything, uh, all these different questions. I remember answering them and they're doing their business. Oh, they were just like, these guys don't get praised enough. Did you feel some relief when you saw the ambos come inside? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the ambos and the, the, the two. Was like, fuck. Yeah, the two. And the ambos were there pretty fast. They were there really quick because it was Australia Day and they were out and about. And I remember, I remember speaking to the ambos saying, we were around the corner and we saw the cops and we just followed them. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so that was, he just did a oh, preemptive, yeah. I'll just follow. It did, could be a job. Cops are screaming in. He goes, all these cops yeah. are going. He goes, I'll just tail in. Where are they going? And then they got the call and they're like, oh, we're here. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, and they were there pretty quick. And the two guys um, that were helping me, they moved away and the ambos came in and then they've got me on the gurney. They take them out. I'm in the. I remember, and I remember being in the back, and they're doing their business, and the, you know, again, just you know, putting lines in, and and then I remember it was a bumpy ride. And I'm thinking, oh shit, someone's got to call my wife. And I was like, where's my phone? I'm like, I need to call her. I need to tell her I'm all right. I'm like, I wasn't, but I wanted to say it's all. I'm all good. You know, but you, you know what the thing is trying. It's like I want to tell them I'm all good, and I tell them I'm okay. I'm like, I can't get my phone, and like, and then I remember 
my boss is going to ring her and she's not going to answer because she, she won't answer work calls. She just won't do it. And, and I remember that thinking, that she's not going to answer. I was like, how am I? I can't get a message. I'm like, how's she going to find out? Someone's, you know. And then I'm in the, so I'm in the back. I get to, I get to the hospital and I don't remember going into the hospital. I, I passed. Apparently they said I was awake when I was in the room, but I can't remember. And so I'm in there. It's in the emergency ward at St. Vincent's. I was lucky that I went to St. Vincent's, the best hospital, I think, in Australia. And they start working on me, but it's only a junior doctor. And he's like, oh, I need help. I'm hearing this later. Like he's calling people, I need help. Can people come in? And in the meantime, my wife's at home with the kids and she's not, she didn't answer the phone. And someone else has had to call her. They've had to call someone to call someone, a good friend of hers, who's then said, Kim, you need to, you need to call Peter. And then the cops turned up at our place to pick her up and take her in. So she, she thinks I'm dead. Because no, no one told her anything. And I think the duty officer stayed with my kids until she came back. So he, he's looking after my kids. He's a good man. He's just sitting in, sitting in my land room, just looking after my kids. So he, she's gone to hospital. And then and she gets to hospital, she's met by the priest. Oh, so she's still thinking you're fucking dead. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. No one said anything. No. Nah, no one said. So people didn't know. No one knew. So she gets messed by the priest. Oh, no, that's the It's like, wrong person to meet. It's like, go back to protocol. Don't be meeting the priest. No, no. That's the wrong, yeah. you know, no no disrespect, but I know. you you get out of the car and there's, there's the priest. It's this, like. This has happened on a different podcast, something similar. It's like, no, the priest yeah. comes in when it's all done and dusted. That's, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. Yeah, not, not the first person you meet when you get out of the no. police car. And there, there he is, and she's going, oh, I'm dead. Who do I speak to? So I'm in the hospital. So this poor junior registrar, he's, he's like, I need help. So he's ringing people. He's ringing everyone. And um, they ring Emily Granger, Dr. Emily Granger, cardiothoracic surgeon. She comes in. They ring... Um, it was, was there. So they ring all these specialists. Um, so she rushes in from her house. She's on call. So they, they ring a few on call doctors. Rohan Get. Is that Rohan Get? At Raji Kuna. He's the, he's the urologist. Anthony Grabs. Anthony Grabs, emergency surgery. So these are all doctors. Andrew Jackson and Roma Steele. So they're, they're, and the two anesthetists. So they they rushed me into the theatre to to operate. So all these guys come in, this whole team. So they're all got different skills. Any of these guys working, or they're all at home? They're all at home. Just fucking. Except, except right, Doctor Kuna. Yep, he's the main guy. So they ring him and tell him, but he's they don't call him in. But the others all come in. But they say the rage unit's all good. It's under control, but it's not under control. So these guys are, they can't stop the bleeding. The bleeding is uncontrollable. So the, the operation is 
you know. Because it's nicked so many things. It's just hit everything. Everything, yeah. It's just hit everything. And so Dr. Granger has opened my chest up to try and look for the for the bleeding to get access. So they couldn't get access. They're trying to find where, that, where the bleeding is. They can't find it. So all these doctors are coming in for different – it's like some do- a doctor who does this can't do that. So a doctor who does a cardiothoracic can't work on the kidney. That's not their specialty. Mm. It's like you know, your specialty is – That's it, yeah. This you – know, you can't work on that. So they've got to call different people in and someone's got to manage it and oversight it and you've got an anesthetist doing their best. And then, so, but Raj Kuhn, Dr. Kuna goes, I'll just go in anyway just to see what's happening. So he comes off on his own bat. Vascular surgeon. Uh, Raj Kuhn, no, he's a- um, Oh, sorry, urologist. He's a urologist. So he's a kidney guy. Yep. So he comes in, just you know, wanders, drives in, and then they ring him, mate, we need you in here now. This guy's going to die. He goes, I'm here. I'm, I'm outside. And he just walked. Scrubs up, walks in, and then he's getting told by a professor. He's looking at, um, uh, you know, what, and they're all like, let's just take the kidney out, just take it out. Like it's a fucking car tie, just take it off. So he, they're in there, but for six hours, I've lost 12 litres of blood, which is almost three, your body has about four, four to five litres at any given time. So I've lost 12 litres of blood during the operation, which is – Of the donated blood. It's just getting – No, 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 just – Your blood. So I've lost all of my blood. Yeah. And then I'm losing the donated and blood. The donated so blood I'm just I'm, well. I'm just living on donated blood. So they – So it's pumping in it's pumping just, straight out. Yeah, it's like it just, just going straight out because I can't stop the bleeding. So for six hours – That's so, that bucket, that photo. Yeah, I'll show you a bucket, a bucket of blood. That's all my blood. I'll, uh, I'll put it up in a story. And – so 96 bags of blood. 96 96 bags. bags. So they're just they're trying to source blood from everywhere apparently. They run out. They're throwing blood. It's just as soon as it goes in, it goes out. And I remember the, uh, the anesthetist coming and talk to me saying, you just can't take – because what normally happens, why people die in operations and get some of these doctors on. Yeah, people die in, in operations because their their body re- starts rejecting rejecting yep. the blood. Yep, it it starts to calcify and your heart. And that's how people die. People don't die because of the. It's just the body says, you know, what, I'm not taking any more of this blood. And they gave me they, different drugs and, but the the nurses said because they control the blood, you just kept taking blood and we just kept going. He said, and. Emily Granger was monitoring the heart. There's all these people monitoring different things. And you said just they kept working, blood kept coming, and you just kept going. And they said, so so that kept us going and trying to find all these, you know, tie off all these issues. And doctors explain it better than me, but this is is what I read and what they've told me. And then after six hours, they, they finished. Six hours. Six surgery. hours. Six hours surgery. So all these doctors are working together. They never work. They n- never normally work together. Doctors like that, because uh, normally they have their own. But mm. as an emergency, they said they was a, was a good experience to have all these doctors just standing around you, just just doing everyone doing their part. Everyone doing their part, and I'm re- and and 
and it was success. And I remember they didn't, um, they couldn't put me back together. So they, they cut me open from the top of your chest plate all the way down to below your belt line, straight down the middle, straight down the middle, and then all the way across to the to the right-hand side. Um, it's about almost 80 centimetres in length when you, when you add it all up. So they cut me from top to toe, down the side, and they couldn't put me back together because it was too swollen. So they put a sheet, like a plastic, stuck me down and could and Rowan get put me back together. He put me back together with staples and and stitches and so forth. Staples, only staples. So they put me back. They went and, and stuck it. And I remember waking up. I was in ICU for a week, but I woke up after four days. So I've survived. And then I wake up. So I'm in ICU for four days. And my wife's coming in every day. And 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 whilst this is happening, the community where I live have gotten together and providing food for my family every day. So they made a rot this 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 is just how good some you know, we see a lot of shit things in the world, but there's so many good people out there. So they've made a roster. Every day they're going to bring food. So my wife doesn't have to worry about feeding the children. So she just turns up at 6 o'clock, there's food at the doorstep. So they made a roster. I think it was uh, the, the mums from school organised it. And there was a roster. What everyone, everyone just had to fill in what they were going to do. And all these great meals would turn up <clears throat> for my family for six weeks. Just the, you, know, you don't hear these sort of stories. I remember them telling me later on, says, hey, and then when I got back, the, the food was still going. But in those four days was, you know, I was still not whether I was going to come come out of it. And then they didn't know whether I was going to walk. They thought I was paralysed because they thought some vital arteries had been hit and I wouldn't be able to walk again or even move. So I remember waking up in ICU I remember just waking up and just looking around. I didn't know where I was. I just remember thinking, fuck, what's happened? I remember looking down going, oh, jeez, what's happened to my chest? Did I have to go down through my chest? <laughs> I was training hard. I was, I was lifting some big weights and just I was fit. You know, I was feeling good. I was... All the gain's gone. That's, everything's gone. <laughs> everything is just That's your first thought. Yeah, that's, everything's gone. Like I was <laughs> I was pushing some big weight. Everything's yeah, gone. Yeah. It's gone out the window. Yeah. I lost a shitload of weight. Everything's just – I was drained. And I was just – because my body had just trying to draw on everything. It's just everything was gone. Everything was gone. And I remember waking up and, this, and I was on um, ketamine. Wow. Like, ketamine is just like this. I couldn't feel anything. I remember them saying, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. Just I'm in the clouds. I'm in the cloud. I'm in a yeah. different I'm in a different world. Like this ketamine was like so strong. I didn't know what I was saying. I was seeing things. I was just trying to comprehend. Yeah. I couldn't even, oh, yeah. I couldn't comprehend where I was, what I was doing, why I was there. Just this ketamine is just so that was I was souped up on ketamine. I was just like 
I had to comprehend. I remember when I woke up, I had, uh, I had the tube down my throat. I was like, oh, I can hose. I was like, get this thing out of my mouth. Just I remember the nurse coming in and pulling it out. And I remember just, yeah. And then I had, I had, I think, four drains in my body. One for the lung, one for here, one for stomach. All these drains just like just in my body, like a hoses and all these leads and things in my arm. And I couldn't I remember, I couldn't move. I remember I could not move. I remember just to be able to lift, lift my arm up. That's all I could do. Because they didn't think I was going to walk. And I was like, I can't even move. And I could just lift my arms, you know, just like that, just, just to my elbows. Just been spaced out and seeing things. I like seeing mm. bizarre. You wake up in the kale. Wow, just just bizarre thing. I remember close and, and whenever I close my eyes, I just see bizarre things. Yeah, and I was like, I remember saying to the doctor at first, "What's going on?" And they just explained to me what's happened and and just the drugs. Just and it wasn't until I left ICU that sort of the drugs sort of. Then I went onto the fentanyl. Green button. Pain reliever, yep. Yeah, pain reliever. And then, but just that, those, those three days in ICU just were just something different, like how they work in there too, just. When did you figure out that you were stabbed? This is what happened. Yeah, I knew, I knew straight away. Yeah. Yeah. I knew this was the, the result. Okay, yeah. Um, but I didn't know what they had done, what. So um, you still remember the incident? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I just remember, I knew. Um, I remember TV was on. I mean, I knew it was still the same sort of time because I saw the cricket and I was like, oh, yeah, it's still. But I didn't know how long it would have been. Um, but I just remember not being able to move. I was like, I can't even move. I can't do anything. I can't. And I remember you know, talking talking to my wife and just, I mean, she'd been there for four days and just, okay, so I'm alive. It's good. I'm alive. Okay, and I remember feeling, going, yep, but it's just the ketamine. Um, it's just kicked in. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I just got to, I don't know. And I remember the doctor Grabs came to see me, and he said, he gave me a rundown of what had happened, and he said, you're going to be fine. You're going to be exactly like you were before. And I was like. I can't even move. I can't even move my arm. He goes, no, no. He goes, you do the right things and I know you will. He goes, you'll be fine. And that sort of stuck in my head. If he says I'm going to be fine, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I remember and I remember thinking, right, I've got, to, I've got to get some positive things in my world. And I was like, where's my phone? I want my phone. I've got to start listening to things and reading stories. And my, I just – I think that was a ketamine as well. Want me to – and after the doctor had said, you're going to be fine, I was like, right, I want my phone. I'm going to start listening to stuff. I'm going to read some positive stories, cut out all the bullshit out of my life. And and, and I remember reading some stories, and I was like, what can I find that's positive and going to get me out of this? And I just remember being able to and I remember the – and I remember the first night when after I woke up, couldn't even move my pillow. My pillow was at the back of my head and it was in the wrong spot. And I was like, I can't even move my fucking pillow. So it doesn't get and I said it won't get any lower than this. From here it's forward. 
And I remember I saying to the nurse, nurse, can you please move my pillow? She moved my head forward and moved the pillow and right. And then the next day we did it. I just had to get in the chair. They put me in a chair and they said, You're gonna, we're going to put you in a chair. And I'm like, I can't even, I feel like jelly. I was like a jello. I remember sitting in this chair and they got me in a chair and I was like, oh. and they wanted to see if I could use my legs and I could just stand a little bit and they're like, oh, yeah, good. You, you can use your legs. And then every day, that's when it started. They put me into the ward after the three days in ICU and then then I was off the chemo and then I was on the fentanyl and then every day there's, I did start, started just to get up used to carry a towel around in the front, walk down the hallways and just walk, go 10 metres, come back, sit here, have sleep, get up again, walk another 10. And every day I did it a little bit and I'm starting to listen to some good positive stuff. And I, I, I got on to Les Brown. Yeah, Les Brown is mm. motivational. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make it. So I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the drugs and I'm singing, I'm going to make it. And I'm like, Fuck you. I'm going to, I'm coming back. Here I come. And then I'm reading different stories about people being through hardship and soldiers who've been in war, you know, been through hell. I'm like, I'm in the best hospital in the country. Let's go. Back to attitude. It's all about attitude. I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm so focused on getting better every day, just something new. Okay, this is what I'm going to do today. Today I'm moving my this arm. I'm put my hand, you know, all the – I had to do – Learn how to breathe again through the bubble machines, and because my lung was down, and just getting exercise, moving up and down the hallways, taking on the old blokes that are there too, walking around. You know, they were walking past me, and they're like, "Tomorrow I'm going to catch him." And you know, because I'm super competitive, like the footy, footy. That's the yeah. footy. That's the footy. I'm yeah. like, today I'm doing this. Tomorrow we're going to do that. Tomorrow I'm going all the way down the end of the hallway and just. More and more walking within that week, just new things and getting rid of leads. The drains were going and just starting to eat and move. It's like one step at a time, one step at a time. You know, and just hearing different stories and going, just and talk. And my mates came in, schoolmates, old workmates, you know, every, any brass? Yeah, yeah, the brass were good. Fuller came in. Came in to see me when I was in ICU. I don't know what I said to him. I could have said anything because yeah. I was. <laughs> oh, my cat. <laughs> but he was good. No, he was really super supportive. Yeah, really good. I can't praise him enough. Mm. Uh, you know, I had heap brass. You know, Dave Hudson, Mal Anion, all came in, Stuart Smith, all How the brass. How are they supporting your family? They- yeah, yeah, good. Yep. Yeah, on the phone. Fuller gave me his number. He said, call me anytime. And Kim as well. So, you know, that's just next level. That's what, that's, a, that's, being a leader is being available to your troops. You know, it's not nothing really you could do. You know, he's out of his hand, but he's like, whatever you need, whatever you need. And that was just, I thought, you know, he's he's commissioner and never met him before. Um, I, I everyone knew who he was, but yeah, but I knew Dave Hudson and and these guys, and they were super supportive. Yeah, all good, no issues there at all. And Mal Anion and Stuart Smith, Stuart Smith was really good too. Um, but yeah, they all came in. They were all in the room, you know, all at the same time. One, on one of the occasions, um, and and my boss Peter Yamas would come in, and you know, 
it was and my it was good to see my schoolmates came in and work, old workmates give you a lift uh, every day and then when I left the hospital um I went to a rehab hospital for a week again just get off the cat yeah no, they took away my fentanyl. I remember oh, the they fent- oh, yeah, they took away fentanyl is oh, fucking oh, addictive. Fuck, they, isn't it? T- they took away my fentanyl, and I remember um, Doctor Grabs. No, not um, Rowan. Doctor Get came in and said we're taking away the the fentanyl today, and I, I was like, what? No, I need that because it was good. I mean, you turn push that button. Oh right. man, like you'd know. Yeah, mate, it, it worked. <laughs> Did for me, but <laughs> <laughs> it worked. And I was like, because every because in the middle of the night, yeah. Um, but you got addicted to it. I got I got addicted to it, and because the nurses would come and check you every hour, and they go, "Here's your green button," because they're not allowed to push it. They go, "Here's your button," and we're like, "Oh, I can't move." And you, you press the button, they go, oh, "Ten minutes later, you're like, oh, that's good." And can never sleep properly. I mean, I never slept. I don't think ever. Like you sleep forty minutes, you wake up because they're coming in and checking you. So I'd be walking up and down the hallway, middle of the night, just. Reading stuff, listening to music, listening to positive things. That just every day, just something new, something new to read and and attitude, attitude, build it up. And this is all from years of football and life, and just bad things happen to people. It happens. It happens to all of us. It's you know you got to push through it, and that's why you know it was when people out there have. Bad things happen to people either way, physical or, or emotionally, you know, or in their mind. You got to you got to keep fighting, keep fighting it. So, and there are ways. And I and you know, and there's people out there who you know, are having a tough time. I get it. Um, and you know, if they listen to this show and hopefully help someone, you got to just keep at it. Got to keep building yourself up, reading good stuff. Doesn't mean the bad stuff's not going to happen to you. It does. Bad stuff happened to me, but you got to keep fighting at it and doing the right things. And I'm, gonna talk, I'm you know, talking to your mates and, you know, started talking to a psych. You know, there's always another answer. There's help out there and get the help. You know, I've, I get the help and I still do. And that's, you know, as blokes, they don't want to, some, you know, some guys still got that, you know, don't want to get help. But you got to get out there and just get the help that you need. And then, you know, I was getting stronger and I could feel that I was getting better slowly and the doctors and Dr. Granger would come and see me and and I'd go and see them and Dr. Granger gave me the go-ahead about going back to the gym and swimming. Um, I remember going to see her in her, off, in her, um, her office and saying, you, you can now start training. And she said, no, that doesn't mean go and grab 100 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, Start slow. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And she's like, yeah. you can start doing a push-up. And I remember doing that one first push. I was shaking and I couldn't even it's do weak. I couldn't even do yeah. one. I couldn't even do one. I was like, it's right. I said, today I'll do one, tomorrow I'll do two. And just every day is again building up, building up. And swimming, she said, start swimming. So I started swimming. I drowned a couple of times, but uh <laughs> but started swimming. It was good for my body and just slowly, you know, and in that meantime, you know, I'm at home with just sitting back in, home, just back home, sitting yep. and I'd walk around the block. I when I say walk around, I walk to the house next door, then I come back. Then every day, just Ex- go to the further, next. I just use further. houses as yep. Yep. house numbers as guides. 
And then the goal was to get around the whole block, see when I could do it. Just just build myself up. And I and I blocked out all news. I didn't watch any news. Because it's depressing. It, yeah. I watched nothing. That's what media does best. I watched nothing. Yeah. Apart from good positive stories, positive things that could build you up. I, I cut out all I cut out some people who were not negative people, come loose. Just to get better and get myself better, talking to the right people. My mates would come over, watch the footy, and then slowly, slowly, just every day, just building it up, building it up. And the you know, Fuller would send you a message, and certain bosses would always you know be in contact. Mm. Um, Paramount was doing all right too in two thousand eighteen. So no, they weren't, weren't they? Two thousand nineteen, they picked it up. Twenty eighteen, they came last. <laughs> Fuck, it was like a big year. Talk, oh mate, I was like, about depressing oh stuff. I know, it was like because I remember the first game too. They got towed up. I was like, oh. it was 2019 when they stepped up. Yeah, 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 stepped up. That's right. Because in 20, actually, in 20, when when I got home, somebody knew they knew I was a big Eels fan, mm. and um, that, no one knows the story. And um, somebody had organised the two players to come and see me and oh, the kids. They? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So um, I'll know. Yeah, he, he won't mind it. Um, mm. So Tim Manor and uh, oh, Timmy Manor. and Gutho, oh, the king, the king. They came out. They came to my house. Yeah, and my kids. Oh my, my son. He was uh, it's frothing. Yeah, his Gutho's in yeah. in the lounge lounge room. Yeah, two legends. So yeah. nice. Like how they are. Like yeah. they were just they didn't have to come. Manor is a legend. Yeah, two two, two, two good guys. You know, and and Gutho was you know he great leaders. Two great leaders. Yeah, and and Laurie so why they're captains because they were just. Such gentlemen. Um, I don't think my wife didn't mind either. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but my kids loved it, you know, and I've never told anyone this story, but two 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 guys That's just awesome. came out and, and gave me a bit of a boost, you know, mm. and my kids had footy play and they, they brought um, one of the media guys with them and, you know, they brought some stuff for my kids. Just stuff like that. Just yeah. changes. Just it's simple stuff. You know, they stay for an, an hour or so just chatting. And it was, it was early on when I got home. Yeah, it was just that's awesome. It's good to hear. You know, that's the sort of yeah. that's what and that's what you know sports people should be doing. You know? Exactly right. And I, I didn't even know yeah. they were going to turn up. And someone said, "Oh, someone's coming to see you." And I was like, oh. "Someone rang me and said, oh, I remember turning up." I was like, "That's Gutho and Jimmy Man. Yeah, two legends. You know, and and since then, you know, Gutho's you know captain now. And but that was a bad year for him. But um, has been bad since 1986. Oh mate, right. <laughs> but, cut but, that negative but out. <laughs> as, as as someone always says, mate, trust me, I know you're hard. Bronco, you, you're you're hardened because of the eels. Yeah, I said, yeah, for, I am. We are hardened people. We're hard people. We are hard people. <laughs> but, but Gutho, mate, he's just yeah, credit to him. That's man. awesome, mate. He, what, what great guy. Yeah. Just a great. How he is, you see him on the field, and just a great. Oh, he's a good footballer. Mate, he would have made great that. anything. Cop. There is only one king, though. That's King Wally. Yeah, oh, King Gutho. Get out of here. <laughs> but that's just one of the, yeah, you know, and and just that 2019 and then 2018, I was just focused on getting better and mm. supportive of my family and, you know, my friends and slowly, slowly got stronger and gym and just didn't focus about work, no focus on work, just get better, just so focused. Your focus was getting better but getting back to work. Yeah, I was like, I, I People are like what? I know. <laughs> I'm like no, nah, because I'm that. I'm so competitive. I'm like, I'm not in some yeah, nah. coward rule my world. I'm coming back. They're like what? 
Yeah, I said, I'm coming back. Come back. I'm, Take I'm, more creams. I'm coming back. Yeah. And like I get better and better. And then, you know, I met met some good people on the way. I met a I met a I met a princess, Pinterest Beatrice. Yeah. Yeah, at a some she's a a um a patron for the St. Vincent's Hospital. She was lovely. So lovely. Like she asked what happened to me and the work I used to do and how this happened and recovery. And she was so nice. Very nice. So a lot of respect. And then so I just met different people and slowly, slowly, and I was like, right, 2019, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And like slowly, slowly, and then started to feel good in 2019, getting stronger in the gym, um, heads right, seeing the right people. And then I came back one day, one day a week for a few days just to get the feel. It's hard. Tell me it's hard coming back first day, that first week, and it's, you're not feeling right. You feel, I feel like I'm in the wrong area. So I, did, I went to a few different areas just to get myself right. Um, and then I, I came back and I said, yeah, I'll come back. I was probably probably not the right thing to do, but I did. Um, but I did. I won't be beaten. It's just, you know, I'm too so competitive. Yeah. Any of your mates call you Robocop? <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was <laughs> no. But yeah, I came back and um it was good. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have. I should have just left it. But I just can't help stubborn. I'm just stubborn. Yeah. Stubborn. Even though I knew it was it didn't it didn't feel the same when I came back. It just felt different. Everything was different. Everything everything I see now is different from when it before it happened to me. Just a bit I just, more perspective. Oh, I just yeah, people just worrying about bullshit. People worry about so much bullshit. Yeah. And I remember going, does anyone and worry about stupid stuff? They're worrying about I said, is anyone gonna get is anyone gonna get hurt? No, well then don't worry about it. Just people worry about stupid things. Like I, I, I just don't worry about anything anymore. And 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 I wasn't so scared to talk to people who hierarchy. Like I just had I, I don't care who you were. Like and I, and one of the biggest things was I and I think I I think um one of the things that's always been, I'm always nice to everyone, always, because you never know what people are going through. Whenever I see someone, I'm always nice, no matter what. Then if they want to be rude and be so, then I'll change my level, but I'm always nice to everyone. That's one thing I'm always going to do. I mean, I was always like that beforehand, um, but I'll make sure, because you don't know what people go through. It's, it's, and once you've, until you've been through something, you actually really realise you know, what people are going through. So you got to be you, – if you be good to people, generally people will be good to you. And that's how I always, you know, I always tell young cops, just treat them like you're your mother. Well, how would you like people – if you're at a job, how would you like people to treat your mother? And people go, oh, yeah. That's how I always used to treat people. Like when that old lady, I used to think that was my grandma. So you're going to do your exactly, best. Exactly, yeah. It's my, it could be anyone's grandma. It could be mm. anyone. It could mm. be my grandma, your grandma. Mm. It's like, that's how you should treat people. Yeah. And if they want to change the level, well, then so be it. That's it. Like the bike in the dock. It's like, we'll change that level. Yeah. We'll mix it up. But always meet their level and then go with them. Except criminals. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, gen- members of the public, yeah, yeah. just you everyday meet them. You meet you, everyday yeah. human beings. But criminals is different. different but yeah. But meet them with the same level, and then if they want to change it, well, then so be it. And then you'll get through. 
But, yeah, so I came back, different squads, different areas. My wife didn't want me to come back, but I came back. It was good. It's good for a short time, but like I said, yeah, it's just different. It was different. And then I became that cop, the guy that got stabbed. Oh, yeah. yeah. People were like, oh, there's yeah, that bloke. There's that bloke. Everyone wanted. There he is. There he is. Everyone was like, hey. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Especially Parramatta. Just, you'd be like, can't even go for coffee. Take, you go for coffee and it took, took an hour. Everyone wanted, to, all people I haven't seen in a long time and. Talk. Talk. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, people just trying to be nice. It was good. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then and then before actually before I came back, um my old camps the LSA put on a dinner for me, a fundraising night. Um they won't mind me naming them, Kathy Gibson and Michelle Ritchie. Two guys two girls that I used to work with at Camps did a did a benefit night, like a massive dinner to to celebrate me living, and Fuller came. We had all the, you know, everyone was there. All the brass was there. It was a big night. Yeah, it's just it's just the good in people, and you know, it was such a good experience to to be at with everyone was, who was supporting me. But you couldn't see them. Did different things. Um, Ben Fordham was there. Oh yeah, yeah, good guy. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was a good night. And then that was in late 2018 and then 2019 rolled around and, yeah, went back to work. Just back to work, back doing. Back to, I had to go and do my shoot. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to do that stress test yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah do everything, yeah. Rush the room. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the red man suit. Yeah, and, yeah, everything. Did it all. I wanted to do it. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to say I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Fine. Yeah. Good shoot, yep. Did everything. I remember one of the weapons trainers said, "Wait, I remember talking to one of the weapons trainers, and they knew who I was." And I was like, "Yeah, it's like, nah, stuff happens. Just get on with it. Well, shit happens to you. You can't sit around in the kicking stones all the time like some people do. Get on with it. It happens. This is the stuff that happens in the world." Yeah, so you're back on back on the job, mate. Just back <laughs> back being a cop. Back being a cop. Yeah, it's the past uh, all the tests. Just quickly, mate. Coroner's Court, 2021 yeah. November. What's what's this? Well, they actually went to Coroner's Court for this incident. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, I won't say too much about it. Um, other than cops shouldn't have to go through that. I've read a lot of coroners matters. They're I don't see the point in them. You hand up all the information. If you've got something that, if something's done incorrectly, then send it to the DPP. Mm. Why we put our members through that process. Again. When it's been, it's it's, case closed. Well, if there's something to answer. Yeah. The coroner can review it and go, well, Go and ask that question. Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why do we ask our members to sit and go? And, I, and I'm talking about all police. And I've read a lot of different shooting matters when I was off. Just to, mm, Dallas Eleven, yeah. same thing. Oh, mate. Why, why? What's the end result? 
Nothing. 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 Why? So why do we? Why do we put our members through that? I, I I don't get it. If there's a case to answer, then put it to the DPP and let them make a decision. And if the coroner's not happy with something, but we parade our people for for no reason, then the association needs to be stronger on that. And and we pull and. I had a friend, Dave Roberts. If you know Dave Roberts, he was involved in a shooting back in 2011 where a search warrant went wrong and a police officer died. And he, he it was from his shot from a police officer. And um, it's just terrible things happen. Just a you know, no one – these things – Unfortunately, they happen, and that whole process was hauled through the coals, and it broke him. It broke him. Ended up dying of cancer. He was a good friend of mine because of what had happened for 10 years. He got cancer and he died. And these guys who went through Lint, what, what, you know. Yeah, man. It's easy easy to sit on, as I say, the – was it the Monday morning quarterback? That's, that's all these things are. Like, and I see these guys, you know, you can't, you can't, people can't, you can't say, you know, it's just, and the same thing happened to me in Coroner's Court. What is this? What is this? Are you serious? And I found out he was going to go and kill his family. Someone had written that, someone made a statement saying that's what he wanted to do. And it wasn't carrying a knife for no reason. And he wanted, he, he was looking for people to drive him. I need to get to Penrith. They're like, no, what no. was in his backpack? I, I can't Don't remember. I can't remember. <clears throat> there was no gun. Um, but we make our members go through this, and so many different coroners, man, different shootings. You know, I read them all. I read them all, and all they do is criticise the Monday, actions. Yeah, they're doing their. They're all yeah. doing every one of those jobs I've read for the past ten years. All doing their best. Yeah, and and a majority of my domestic going to domestic violence matters. Again, domestic violence. You know, there was some serious ones here at Newcastle that I'd read. You know, these guys are just doing their best and getting criticised. It's just, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. But and mine was the same. You know, why'd you do that? Why did I do that? And I, and I said to the, and, and at the end of the day, I said to the coroner, if we didn't do what we did, what, what, what's the public expectation? Just let these people roam the streets. You know, who knows what he could have done? Could have got another kid. I'm sorry, they got another kid. And oh, we just sat back and did nothing. And people don't realise that, you know, when you're going to arrest someone, it's like it's like, you know, in the military, you're going in conflict. And I see the military as the highest, you know, so much respect. You know, when I'm going into arrest, you're you you got the adrenaline rushing. It's you can't Recreate that. You can't talk about that. You can't. You when you're confronted by someone who's aggressive or angry, it's, you can't. Con, you can't explain that. People don't realise that. You can't. You can't sit in a courtroom and say, oh, "It's time A B C," and then and then, and then just all I can do is say, "Well, how come you didn't do that?" Yeah, should have, could have, would have. Yeah, all these. It's you know, it's like you. It's uh, it's equivalent to saying. You're watching a you're watching a footy. Well, why didn't he do that? I know. 
Well, you go out there and do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you you go out there and try and tackle him. Yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of this. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, but but like I sit and watch the footy, and I'm like, no, I can't. You can't bag them because they're they're doing their best. You know, they're doing their best. It's like you can't bag cops in the military, and ambos and and fireys and all these people do do they're all doing their best, and you want to can't go and, and cross go look at it three years later and go. Well, you should have done this and you should have done that. And as I said, like I said, I said it's a coroner. If we didn't do what we did, we'd have a dead family. And for Tim, for myself, Tim and Ben, we did the right thing and we saved their lives. And for the three of us, that's all that counts. And we all think the same. We we saved their and and a lot of the uh, brass think the same. You know, we saved their life, and at the end of the day, that's we're doing our job. And like, and again, a lot of people forget why we're here. Mm. Oh, fuck, well, you did well. Yeah, no, nah, but I'm saying, but a lot of people, yeah. love, and and I think the coroner forget yeah, exactly. They forget what, why we're here, and they're, they're doing they're doing their best. Yeah, and everything I've ever seen, and I've never seen anything do anyone. Everyone tries their best in the cops, and you know, I'll always help any cops, or I'll still help the organisation, and 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 probably the biggest thing out of all of that, which is which is what I like doing, is um. And I'll leave the coroners there because it's enough said um, on that. But the good stuff comes out of it, out of everything. And the, the bleed for blue, the bleed for blue is because I lost so much blood. Everyone came forward and gave blood, and now it's an annual event where all the cops across the country do it. It's called the bleed for blue, and that's and I go out and I've helped promote the bleed for blue. I, I, for a couple of years, I've, I've missed it. Um, but I'm back into it now, so I'll be doing it this coming season because it normally starts in December. The bleed for blue. Um, so yeah, so it's just it got all the cops across the country giving blood, which is great. That's a that's a, that's a good thing because if I didn't have that all that blood, oh, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> Fucking ninety six bags, wouldn't it? <laughs> so it's you know I always encourage people you know go and give blood and. I'm going to do some stuff in Goulburn too about new students get people to give blood and that's good things. That's the good stuff. So I'm trying to give back. But yeah, so I did come back and I could probably do another whole show on the job that I did. Yeah, that's yeah. All. I could do another show on that itself. <laughs> yeah, that that'll take two hours. What did you get back? So just we'll just quickly skim yeah. over it. What did yeah. you get back into? So, so I got back into. So I got back and I different. Couple of things, and and Peter Yeomans, my old boss, got handed a job, an old homicide, um, from uh, a gay murder back in 1988. And 1988, yeah. And Tim, God, that was Tim. Tim Carey was working on it, and uh, they had previously they the job started in 2019 when I was off, um, but it hadn't finished and. It had gone dormant for a little bit, and then there were there was some information that still had to be followed up, and it's just a job that uh, Strike Force Wellsford was the job, uh, the murder of uh, Scott Johnson back in 1988, and had been through a number of coronial inquiries and a bit of a shit storm for the cops, not investigated correctly, and so we were put on the job, and uh, we ended up solving it. It's in a nutshell. 
I mean, I could talk about a whole new. Yeah, that's a whole that's podcast. Fine. That's a whole yeah, podcast yeah, in yeah. itself. Um, true, we, true crime podcast. If yeah, true crime. You could do it. Yeah. Reach out, get the boy on. <laughs> He's got a story for you. Um, that's a whole other story. But we ended up solving it. The three of us. Well, at the beginning, just in a nutshell, at the beginning, there was a lot of information came in, and it was all you had got to go through it all. And then in twenty end of twenty nineteen, I came into it. Uh, Peter said, "Have a read." I had a read, read the job. I said, "Yeah, this looks pretty like a pretty good job." So the three of us worked it, and uh, we ended up solving this this gay murder um, from nineteen eighty eight. From nineteen eighty eight, yeah. Um, with the, for the it was good for the family. Uh, Steve Johnson, the brother, who's uh, an American. They're they're Americans, but yeah, I mean, I could go. Could talk for, but I'll, I'll leave it. For yeah. another, I'll leave it for another time. Yeah, mate. Yeah. But yeah, so that's a, that's a whole other story. So it was good to it was good to work with those guys because they were the guys that I worked with. And then when we finished the job, and then it was getting a bit, it's getting hard for me, physically and, and psychologically. And I was just like, and I compare it to football, sport. You can't play forever. Twenty six years in. Yeah, it did twenty five years. Twenty five years. Twenty five so. years, and I was like. I can't keep doing this. I'm just I'm back to that. I'm starting to lose everything, and you know I've been getting help, and it's like I've starting to pull the plug. Mm, getting old, and I want I don't want to leave on my terms. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, I almost got forced out. Yeah, almost. Yeah, but I came back, but it's like just and I just try to show people, you know, you can come back, and but you got to know when you're done. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, and it was a good time. To that was only this year. I left this year. Yeah, I was just um, retired this year, February this year, and uh, nothing lasts forever. Nah, that's it, mate. Getting on, getting on in yeah, life, mate. Yeah, mate. Twenty five years is long enough, and I, like I said, I, I shouldn't be here. Should 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 have died, and it's, I I get I do get uh, survivors guilt. What? Um, yeah, because I see so many people get. Stabbed, <clears throat> can't help it. I try not to watch the news, but you know, especially, you know, I see so many military guys die, and I just, you know, I, I'm in awe of military guys. Just, just, you know, having wanted to join the military, and it's just above everything else. You guys are just, you know, and aren't treated enough respect in this country. I think. Same as first responders, mate. And you've just highlighted, you know, what what a first responder does on a day to day basis. Yeah, and that's and like I said, I speak to four cops, and like Fuck when you yeah, when you look right. at Ambos, oh, like I say Ambos, Fireys, all of them. Yeah, yeah, just hundred percent, mate. There's not enough, uh, not enough that we do for them. And the respect. Um, it's easy to criticise, I would say. But yeah, no. But I'm I'm all support the cops, and hopefully I can do some stuff in the future with them, and um, always help young cops. Whoever anyone's, whoever listens to this podcast, I hope it helps someone. Um, yeah. yeah, mate. Keep on keeping on. All right, mate. Well, fuck. We've hope, been, hope. Uh, <laughs> been chatting for a while now. I told you this would uh, <laughs> this would be people coming here all the time. Like, uh, yeah, we're, we're wrapped up in an hour. I'm like, mate, mate. I didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't yeah. It'll. Your story will come I just, out. I just, I just hope that it helps someone. Maybe it will. Because I just, you know, it's, 
attitude. We tell we tell stories to you know, and I listen to a lot of pod, different podcasts, and you listen to them to to hear a story, but also get something yeah. out of it. Yeah. And that's why you listen to, and that's why I think you tell stories. People mm. tell stories exactly. Is what can you get out of it? And you you may pick up one thing, but if it helps one person, well then I've done my job. Yeah, exactly. Because I I did think about not doing it. I thought I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose, and 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 I always say what Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger always says is, uh, "Give something back." Always give something back, and yeah. if my story can help one person, exactly right. Um, attitude. I've, it's all about attitude. I was only speaking to a cop yesterday about attitude. Attitude. About changing attitude. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Oh man. No, Thank we got, we got a couple <laughs> a couple of final questions. No, just, no, I just, like questions. Yeah, mate, I just, like to be questioned. Yeah, just. Just a couple more final questions, mate. As I said, this has been absolutely fucking awesome to hear your story, mate. First podcast for you, so I popped your cherry. <laughs> mate, um, first question. Now, yeah. you kind of pretty much answered this question. Yeah. What advice can you give to people to keep on keeping on, complete any oh, goal they set their mind yeah. to, and just to crush it in life, mate? mate just, Again, that probably the last 20 minutes. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's attitude. 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 It all comes down to attitude. Because no, I remember, you know, Comes back from when I, and that's why I like kids to play sport. It all comes back to you know if you're not switched on, or if you've got a bad attitude when you're a kid in sport, you're going to go nowhere. It's useless. I've seen like I've seen great footy players with bad attitudes, and just plenty of them. You know, still these days go nowhere. And but cops with bad attitudes, Mm. no one wants no no one wants to know you. But if you've got a good attitude, you can achieve. And just fight and look for the resources that get you through. And like I said, I just look for positive things, good people, block out all the bad stuff. Um, just And like I said, doesn't mean that good things are going to happen to you. It means you can work through it. Work through it. But it's just that attitude. Attitude is everything. Yeah. Because when, when I was crook and I couldn't move, attitude. Attitude. One step at a time. Sound, it's true. It is, yeah. It is true, true. It is. Mate, uh, second question, what is the plans for the future? As said, oh. uh, you've retired, 2023, pulled the pin on the cops. Mate, do you want to get back maybe into space working with cops? Yeah, look, I'm happy to, look, you know. Keynote speaking or something? Maybe. I have done a few talks here and there, but I'm happy to, oh, look, I'll help anyone, and I hope I can help police and any organisations that you know, and people in general, like people having a bad time. I'm, and and it's probably one thing when I was in hospital that I really wanted was someone who'd been through that. I would have liked to have spoken to someone, and and I'm always available to talk to anyone who's been through any 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 shit fights, and you know they've been injured for whatever. I'm happy to talk to them uh, with my experience and what they need to do, but. Um, Yeah, definitely, definitely, mate. Plus, but that's for that. Yeah, but just, just, I'm looking after myself, keep myself right, talking to the right people, and that's all I'd say to people. If you're not, if you feel like you're not right, go and talk to the right people, because this is help out there. And I can't say, especially blokes, you know, got this persona, get out and get some help. Nothing wrong with it. Yep, exactly, mate. <clears throat> now, third question: Tell us something about you that people don't know. You know, like a guilty obsession. Maybe your wife knows. I don't know what do you do at home? 
Oh, I love I, I love all sport. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm just a sport. I, I grew up in sport. You want sports bet at all? No. Oh, come no. on, mate. I'm oh, no, I'm t- <laughs> just so – like when my schoolmates, yeah, when my schoolmates, we were just you know yeah. we we're playing touch footy on yeah, the road, everything, playing touch footy on the road, cricket on the road, yeah. just down at the park, yeah. just super competitive. Like we, we, my mates and I, we have a we have an annual footy event, you know, touch footy. We call it Mud Brothers. Mm. All the old boys come down. I'm still super. You know, we started this when we were school kids, and we're still playing. They were so super competitive, but it's just that's my, and I just love seeing great sportsmen. No matter the sport, soccer, you know, people who are good at their sport, their craft and what they do and just, you know, whether it be whatever the sport, just love sport in general because sport is life. People don't see the same, but I do. It's it's the same. It's the same. Yeah, you, know, you get knocked down in sport, you, you, know, you get up. You get up. It's like it's like um, when, I was, when I was in high school, it's uh, Mike Tyson. He was big when I was in high school. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and and he and he talks about goat. he talks about how he, he lost a Buster Douglas and why he lost a Buster Douglas because he goes I dropped and that's it. he beat me up attitude he said I lost a bit of concentration before that fight I wasn't training it wasn't I just thought I'd go in there and just bash him up there's a good there's a good podcast with that story at why Buster Douglas beat him as mm. again attitude. Yeah, mate. That's why I lost. Oh, yes, that's yeah. why I lost. Yes, that's why I lost. And he just beat me up. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah, that's my my obsession sport. I can't help but Yeah. I, I love sport. Well, mate, I'll be sure to text you every time the Broncos play oh, bloody Eels and, and when Queensland beats uh, New South Wales. See, that, see, yeah, I could, go, I could do a whole podcast on Queensland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how and, good they are. Uh, <laughs> it's because they keep, keep the same players. Mate, they do. Same spine. So, that's what New South Wales struggle with. They kept don't changing start, don't every single don't, year. Don't start me. It's a pretty good thing that Fittler's gone now. Don't start. Great thing. Billy Slater's just kept. She's and, and, and I found and, and back to Emily Granger. I found a fault with her. She's Queenslander, oh. and I said that to her. I said we're all perfect, but no, we're not. Because <laughs> yeah, she, she had a Queensland, Queensland jersey in her office. Yeah, right. And I walked in and went. Operated on that's why a, you survived. I was operated on by a Queenslander. <laughs> that's why you survived. It was a New South Wales doctor. I said, gone. I said, bloody Queenslanders, they're saving me. <laughs> yeah, there you go, mate. <laughs> and I remember she's like, oh, she's like, yeah. And I went, oh, I said, well, no one's perfect, <laughs> mate. Uh, two final questions favorite movie, TV show? What are you, what are you watching these days? I love, love docos, yeah, true crime. No, you've had enough oh, of that. Oh no, I do like true crime. Yeah, yeah I do. I watch a lot of true crime yeah. on uh, on Netflix and, but I like docos. I'm a doco person. What uh, type of docos? Just it. Oh, I watched the David Beckham one. Oh, did you? Was that good? Watch it. It's good. I haven't watched it yet. No, no watch it. Um, just any doco. Like I like TV shows that are real life. I don't mm. um, real life shows. I, I, my son loves SAS. Yeah, Ant yeah, Mill. I don't thing. watch it. Yeah, I watch it because he loves getting. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. He loves that shit. Um, it's good for kids. Yeah, because it gets get them interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's good for kids. Um, so, people like me are watching a cop show. I can't watch a cop show. Can't you? Oh, no, fuck. No, no. I love that shit. Can't watch. See, that's what I mean. See, yeah. I can't watch it. Yeah, I can't watch it. Um, 
But yeah, docos, any sort of true crime yeah. docos. Um, yeah, movie. Oh, man, there's so many. So many good movies. Mm. Like, depends on what, what era. Well, I, I quite like probably in the first half an hour of this podcast, I quoted you a did. line from a movie. Well, you, you mentioned two of the greatest movies. Yeah. So. I, I quoted uh, well, Don't Think, Just Do, and that's from Top Gun 2. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the plane. Just, yeah. Yep. Yep. No, nah, the different time. Like, yeah, in movies, you know, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. And all oh, those yeah. old blokes. Just different movies and Jason it's Statham. It's not a Yeah. Yeah. Like Jason Statham. <laughs> I'm more like the, the character and those sort of things. But I like, yeah, Back to the Future. My kid loves Oh. Back to the Future. That's, on, that's been on Foxtel like every- Back to the Future. My wife hates it because I watch it every oh, I, single time. If I, it comes it's on, I watch it. I watch it. Bang. I, I watch bang. it. I watch it. Back yeah. to the Future. Different movies, different. Um, but Back to the Future, I think, is one of my- Oh, yeah. It, it's one of the only movies where all three were good. You know, yes. You know, when movies come out with a second one. I shouldn't make a second one. I shouldn't make a second one. But Back to the Future- No, you're right. Is probably one of my- And yeah. my kids love it too. No, it's probably one of my favourites. But yeah, yeah, yeah. mate. Um, final question: favourites music. You know, what, what are you listening to? I listen to anything in old seventy stuff, eighties as a mix. Yeah, what, what do you mean? As in rock, or is it rock? Yeah, just yeah. just a mix. I love all a different mix. There's no particular type of music I like. Just everything. Just everything. That everything old music. Anything good. Yeah. yeah, especially the 70s. Yeah, music 70s. from the 70s is good. Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah. yeah, if they're still around, it means they're, they're successful. Yeah. Like you think today, what music is still going to be around? Yeah. Well, Apart from the Harry Styles, like, you know, like some of the new stuff. Maybe it's some good, yeah. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Taylor. I love Taylor Swift. Wink, wink. Give my regards. <laughs> yeah, Tell man. her I said hi. Yeah, mate. Just the, ta- the talent. The, yeah. You know, they sell out stadiums. They're doing it for a reason. Oh, Paul McCartney was here oh, the other day. Yeah, you know, I mate. saw. I went, saw Billy Joel. Did you? Yeah, down, right. down in Melbourne. Yeah, I was a big Billy Joel fan in my younger days, and I went to see him in the early nineties, and then he came to Melbourne in uh, January this January this year. Best show I've ever seen. He's seventy four. Seventy four, and he's rocking around. Paul McCartney's eighty one. Oh, I know, and, but Billy Joel, Just, he's, he's cracking. He's yeah. on the piano. He's running around. Two and a half hours didn't stop. Well, just that he's a legend. Yeah, I'm a big Billy Joel fan. It was the great concert. Loved it. It was a Melbourne Crew Ground. It was a hundred thousand people there. Mm. Yeah, that's <clears throat> so, yeah. But that, so just legends like that. Yeah, like, yeah, of just, course. Just yeah, could still one show. Just filled, didn't even advertise it. Just filled it. Yeah, not that dribble these kids listen to these days. <laughs> one four. Who? One four. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Don't. Who? <laughs> Don't. You probably would have dealt with him with an organised crime. Probably. In Sydney. Probably. Far like out, who? Mate. Oh, there. <laughs> a lot of dribble out there oh, these days, no. that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, mate. No, uh, thank you. For whatever reason, people want to get in contact with you. Oh, yeah. How can they find you? I don't. You're on uh, socials? Mate, I'm not, not really, no, but. Reach mate, out, reach mate, out through mate, me. And through I you, can, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've text. got my number. Just yeah, no, I'm happy to talk text. to anyone. Go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, awesome, mate. Again, really appreciate you coming in, giving Thanks. your time and sharing your story, mate. As I said, first podcast you come on and 
First time you spoke in length about yourself. Yeah, no, it's quite um, it's different. But no, thank you. I appreciate you having me and the work that you're doing. I appreciate you have, it. You have yeah. some absolute legends on this show. And, yeah, uh, you're one of them. I don't know why I'm in there. Yeah, but, mate, no, mate. That's a cracking <laughs> But story. thank you. Thank you. Mate, uh, yeah, we'll stay stay in contact, mate. Always. Uh, sentiment. I'll For sure, text, you, text you when the Broncos beat them. Oh, yes. yeah. We'll have to go to a game. We flogged you in the last game, actually. What was it, like 50, 52 nil or something? Uh, You've forgotten 2019. That's right. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I think that's the worst loss. Well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> well, actually, no, that was the game that they helped the Broncos, apparently. Yeah, it is. They do talk yeah. about that game. That's where it changed their attitude. I was at that game. Oh, yeah. It was, it was you could see it. You, attitude. You mate. could see it. They didn't. It, anyway. Yeah, but that, they talk about that game as being a turning the pinnacle. Point. Yeah. yeah. Because it was a bad game. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, was, hey, we've done well to come back. No. Credit to them. Look, I, I, don't, I don't mind the Broncos, but they're not in my teams I don't like. Because I used to love Lockie Aaron. Oh, he used to go. Yeah, no, he used to go. go. Yeah, I used to, whenever he played, he was like, there's always. He could just do, do something. something. Yeah. Do something. Lockie Aaron. He's the he's modern day no, Nathan Cleary now. Yeah. So I, my, he's, yeah he's they talk a about a lot of great so players. They talk good. about a lot of, and I've seen a lot of footy, but yeah, Lockie was one of the. Oh, he's one of, he, he's one of the greatest. Like from fullback to, because he was good yeah. in the fullback, then he moved to the halves. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I'll call it right now. Nathan Cleary is the greatest footballer of all time, and I fucking hate New South Wales and I hate Penrith. <laughs> but you know what he is? I hate Nathan and, and, Cleary and, with a passion. And I'll, and I hate I'll, his dad with a passion. I hate the pen. Anything to do with New South Wales, I hate, but he is the greatest football. Just You know what it is? You know what it is? He's so good. What it is? But I always say, and I say this because I do a bit of coaching with my footy kid, footy teams. He's smart. He, for a young fella, he's smart. Yeah. Smart. 25 he's, or something. He's got all the abilities, but he knows mm. he's very smart. It's like he's watching the game from above. He's a smart footballer. And you know The good players are the smart footballers. And I said, it's not all about just going there and smashing people. I said, it's about. Tactical. It's tactical. It's like Cameron Smith was the same. Oh, smart. Cam Smith was good. Smart footballer. Smart. Yeah. Knew where to be. Know where to be. That's what makes good footballers. And I think Cleary. Did it in that grand final, mate. He kicked that 40 20, and I was like, and I knew then, I knew they were going to win. I said, I said, here we go. I said to my mates, here we go. I know. In my head, I was like, here we go. Here we go. I'm fucking done here. But he he knows when the. He does. That's when it was. He's a tactician. He's just too good. Yeah. I'm I'm calling it. He's he's the goat. Too good. He's the goat. I hate to say it. But I'll leave leave him on that note. (laughs) Nathan? King Cleary. <laughs> I think he was born in Brisbane, wasn't he? Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's he's probably, probably he's going to play for Queensland. Well, probably time. he was up there somewhere. Clearly, he was up there somewhere. <laughs> we'll take anyone. That's what Queensland does best. Well, yeah, it's true. Oh, wait, we wait. We'll leave it. There'll be another whole podcast, man. <laughs> that's it. Born in PNG. Yeah, that's that's Queensland. <laughs> born in New Zealand is Queensland. Mate, New South Wales do the same. Fuck, Peter Sterling. Oh, anyway, mate, uh, we're going to talk about. Oh, oh we'll talk for, we could talk about forty forever. But mate, yeah, thanks again, and uh, yeah, we'll stay in contact. Sure, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, 
put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.